Blog Talk Radio.
Alrighty guys, welcome to the August 21st edition of Purple Guard Radio. I am your host, KZ, and that was the Grateful Dead. Little Casey Jones before uh, was having a deadhead moment. So uh, we're doing is uh, we're going live tonight for two hours. Um, our guest in the first hour, Mr. Vito Dinichi, is a bit delayed. But uh, caller from the 847, who am I speaking with? Mr. Shankster, what's going on, brother? What's going on, Bri? What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Doing okay. Oh, I'm fine doing and okay. Good. It's nice That's living cool. on the West Coast, isn't it? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Nice and early. It's 7 o'clock. Well, from uh, from my sources down in Florida, they said that uh, today Miss Gail Kim was spotted at the FCW facilities. So it looks really? like she may be just showing up right away. Well, I'll tell you what. If she goes back maybe to even the World Wrestling Entertainment Leagues, uh, it would be a great uh, ad- ad- advantage for her. Um, she really came along pretty well in her career. I mean, she really did a good job with the WWE. And I tell you what, anywhere she goes, she's going to make people turn their heads because she's good looking, she's got a great mm-hmm. ass, and mm-hmm. she's very well known in the wrestling world. And I think her... And maybe someone like Beth Phoenix has some good matches. She's established. And uh, I can't believe she's been in TNA since 2005, Casey. Yeah. Well, they hit her for the first six months. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Casey, I, I don't mean to interrupt you because I know you're the host and everything uh-huh. else. But I'm reading your website here, of course, with the uh, rubberguardradio.com. Uh-huh. And I'm looking here, and it says that you're going to be having Scrap Iron Adam Pierce on your show? Yes. Adam's on okay, this now, evening in the second hour. Okay, now let me tell you something, and I will, I will uh, hopefully be backed by him. I introduced Adam Pierce to Sonny Rogers in Chicago because when I used to have my wrestling show, my little uh, public access program back in Illinois, Adam Pierce lived in Waukegan, Illinois. He was a Waukegan Bulldog football player. Adam Pierce is a very near dear friend of mine. I got him to start in the wrestling business. I kid you not. And I would hope that when you get him on the air, can I speak with you guys? Because I would love to catch up with him. Sure. Sure. Call in. Call back in about, uh, what is it, 7 now? I'd say 8.15 Pacific, which would be, you're in Chicago, so. No, uh, I'm not in Chicago. I'm in Arizona. Oh. Oh, well, even better. Arizona. That's <coughs> time zone, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm on your time yeah. zone, buddy. It's okay. 7.07 well, right I, here. Well, there you go. I, I'm easily confused. Well, I've so been violating the wellness policy all day. So, Well, I'm going to tell you something. When I just saw the thing pop up here, I was like, Adam Pierce, my buddy Comer, who went to the show last week in Chicago, had mentioned that he bumped into him and gave him my cell phone number. I have yet to hear from Adam. So can we do something? Is Adam listening right now, by chance? Uh, probably not. Okay, do me a favor. <laughs> I would like to call in, but when you have him on the air, okay, I'm going to listen. And when I hear you have him on the air, I'm going to call in. But I, what I'd like for you to do, because I swear to God, I introduced Adam to Sonny Rogers. I don't want any credit for it or pat on the back. I'm not saying that for that reason. But I'm very, very excited and very happy for this young guy because he is a, ter- a phenomenal individual, great wrestler, and a, a really nice guy. So when, I, when you see me pop in on your call list like that, just say, Adam, there's somebody here on the phone that uh, is from your past. And do me a favor, please, KZ. 
just say, does the host of Off the Top Rope Radio ring a bell to you? And then just let me say hi to him, and I'll let you do your interview. I don't want to take too much of the time. I just want to say hi, and I'll let you take over from there. Cool. Yeah, we'll do that. I just uh, Please. took notes and, and did that. Yeah, because awesome. uh, <clears throat> he's a great guy, good wrestler, man. I got I got an old videotape here of when he first broke in back in 95 at the Great Lakes Naval Base. Him Ooh. taking on, I believe it was, uh, oh, God. Danny uh, Dominion. Danny Dominion. <laughs> Danny Dominion had the big picture frame, and he came out to black and blue by Van Halen. And he had the picture frame up, and there was one shot of my camera. You know the song, Black and Blue? Slip oh, yeah. and slide. Push it in. Don't stop at the rhythm. You know. And he came out, and he had the big picture frame. And the people in the front row looked at this guy like, what an ass. And all of a sudden, he put the picture frame into his face and started shaking his hips like ravishing Rick Rude. God bless his soul. And the people just started laughing their asses off. And I still have this tape. Matter of fact, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I'm not kidding you. I'm in my office right now. I got the tape right here. And I would love to even send you a copy of that if you'd like to see it, because it's absolutely phenomenal. It's funnier hell. Mm-hmm. Videotapes are not allowed in my household. Well, I'll make it on DVD for you, man. I mean, come on. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, I haven't gotten that far. I went back 12 and a half years ago to, uh, you know, put everything on DVD, but I'd be more than happy to format it for you. I would love to see it. And you, seriously? Sure, I'm a huge Pierce Mark. Now, since you do that for me, I will send you a custom DVD that I made for Adam, some of his matches from San Diego. Oh, nice. And Very that's some nice. pretty stuff there. And you I'm know, also, Adam, go ahead. I'm awaiting, I'm awaiting a copy of the one-hour match that he had in Virginia with Damian Wayne. So that's on its way. I heard about that. Yeah, it's good stuff. So it's that's on its way. I'm, I'm a huge Pierce Mark. Huge. Well. Let me tell you something. Let me just give you. I'll just give you like two minutes worth of ten years of history, if I may. Sure. Back in, Waukegan, back in Waukegan, Illinois, slash Zion, which is where Gary Coleman from Different Strokes is from, Zion, Illinois. Um, I lived in Illinois, Waukegan, Gurney area for 36 years of my life. I moved out here to Arizona last year. I did a TV show, of course, off the top rope on cable access. Very successful. My co-host Dan Bartels and I we just had a lot of fun. Oh, with hold on, just just years. a second. Just a second. Would that be like the Wayne's World for wrestling? Absolutely, pal. I Aurora, Illinois, baby. <laughs> Aurora, yeah. Well, that's where uh, you know, yeah, that's where Garth Algar is from, and of course, there you Campbell, go. But uh, yeah, Brian Shank and uh, Dan Bartels are just a little bit north of that. But anyway, Adam Pierce, I swear to God, he used to watch a show, and he would write in. We had this thing called a Fantasy Wrestling Association (FWA), and the FWA was a Fantasy Wrestling Association. We just had some fun with it. We said, if you want to create a wrestler, tell us where they're from, what they do, their moves, their finisher. All about the wrestler. Draw a picture if you can and send it. We've got all this little bullshit stuff, you know, that we got. And it was, you know, these kids writing in. And it was cute. But then Adam Pierce, he's an awesome artist, dude. You have no idea how good of an artist he is. He would send in these page-tall people with all these cool names from top to bottom like you were reading PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And he would send these in. And he (laughs) he won every championship in my FWA. And then he came on the show a few times. You know, got, we got to know him. Good guy. And I introduced him to Sonny Rogers out of Chicago, lifeguard Sonny Rogers. And the rest is history. He went down there and wrestled right there on the south side of Chicago there on Lawrence Avenue by the Aragon Ballroom. Worked his ass off. Trained hard. And, uh, you know, I, I don't ever want to take credit and say, oh, I got him his start. But I helped him get into where he needed to be because he was 17 years old then. 
And uh, I wish him all the best. He's a great guy. Wow, that's a tremendous story. You're not patronizing me, are you there, Casey? No, not at all. Not at all. I am all right. I am huge. I'm big on stories, brother. Believe me. All right. Well, good. I good. But I just if if I can, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to the show. I'm gonna hang up now because unless you want me to hang up, unless you want me to stay, it's up to you. No. Nope. To... Stay on. Um, okay. Our right. our guest for the first hour, Vito Danucci of Between the Ropes, is a little late. So um, okay. I figured we'd run down the news with you. Yeah. Well, we can do that. You, you, I'll tell you what. You're the host. This is your show. I'll stop talking when you want me to talk. You say, Shank, what do you think about that? And I'll go from there. Well, my my regular co-host Alex Saint is hung up at work, so that's all right. I'll be your co-host tonight. Tremendous. All right, man. Tremendous. So you you know I'm always here for you, Casey. You know that, brother. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. So do you, do you think that uh, Gail's going to resign right away with uh, with WWE? You know what? She's been in a league now for the past three years where she's used to getting a steady paycheck and getting paid quite well and being on TV. It started out when she first came in as that little, you know, goofy thing with Jeff Jarrett. That's double J, J, E, double F, J, W, R, D, double T. Um, and, you know, she was featured a lot on the show on, on uh, Impact, and she always had a pretty good thing. She started out as a heel, came across the big baby face. She was kind of like the uh, Trish Stratus for a while, the women's division of the knockouts. And mm-hmm. I think for her to maybe go and maybe do some independent stuff right now wouldn't hurt her. But in terms of her going to the WWE, I, I think it would be a great move, especially the WWE is very hungry to bring people who have had good success on TV and try to give them their own thing. And Gail Kim started there. If she left on good terms, which I hear that she did, then uh, she also left on good terms with TNA. The door is always open, as they say. So if she does come back to WWE, I think it would be a nice move for her. She could have some great matches with the uh, Divas out there. See, uh, was it? A couple months ago, um, she was up in town here, up in Northern California with the Ballards and worked a couple shots, and that was the night that we filmed the shoot interview with the Ballards. Okay. And uh, after the show, we went out to dinner. There was a bunch of us, uh, a lot of the local guys, the Ballards, Gail, Tracy Brooks, uh, uh, Relic, uh, Johnny the Bull. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I sat next to Gail, and, and she was just really quiet and mellow and you know, and, and her and Tracy, I, I I saw this. We discussed her asking for her release or not renewing back then, and she, you know, she said that she wasn't happy because the the original knockouts weren't getting the respect that they deserved, um, as opposed to you know the newer girls like the uh, the two Team Kron and then the uh, the other uh, what is it Amazing Kong and and ODB. Right. They're all getting the right. the love, but. Uh, Tracy Brooks has been completely pushed aside. Everybody, all these original uh, quote-unquote knockouts were uh, pushed aside. She was, you know, unhappy. You know, she was yeah. she was visibly upset while we were eating dinner after. And, you know, I know it really bothered her. But uh, Gail will be up here September 19th working for Big Time Wrestling, big, btwrestling.com. Uh, she'll be up here in town. Uh, I'm going to see if I can film a shoot interview with her while she's up here. So, oh, that'd be great. You know, we'll, we'll see what we can do about that. But, uh, yeah, you know really what? Nice. I'll tell you what. She has talent, too. That's the thing. You know, anybody can be a female in the wrestling world. I mean, you look at someone like Michelle McCool, who people say, well, 
she's dating the Undertaker, and she's Mark's girlfriend, and she's there because of who she is, and of course Mark has all these, you know, strings that he can pull and everything else, and that may be very true. I don't think Michelle McCool is a very technical or sound wrestler, but Gail Kim is from a different breed, and she really is a very good wrestler. She can work. Oh, absolutely. She can work. She's absolutely hot, but she can work. That's yep. You know what? I would, I would love to see her come in and her right away to somehow, eventually, if she comes in, I would love to see her in a, in a program with Mickey James. I think those would be awesome, yes. sexy, hot matches, brother. Yes, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, that might actually get, get me back into watching WWE regularly. <laughs> would make you fast forward through the women's matches this time? I just I don't watch it. I mean, I, I watched uh, SummerSlam this uh, this past Monday um, after I heard about the Michaels Jericho angle. I was like, oh, okay, I have to see this. And plus, I'm I'm a mark for Taker in the cell, so it's, right. you know. Well, I'm a huge Michaels fan. I'm a huge Michaels mark. I always have been. You know, it's funny. Remember when he kicked uh, Marty Jannetty and he threw him through mm-hmm. the uh, barber shop window? You cheered. That that was back in 1992 on my birthday, January 11th, 1992. I just turned 21 years of age on that day. And I said, my God, what a great present this is. Shawn Michaels turning heel. And I said, this guy is going to have a hell of a career ahead of him. I I swear to God I said that because he has all the tools. Shawn Michaels is a consummate professional wrestler. I will put him up against anybody in history, and I will always have him in my top five. Okay. He's just that good. I just... I mean, he performs well, he, he talks well, he's believable. I mean, the whole thing with his wife, maybe a little bit overdrawn, maybe, you know, in this day and age. No, 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 it was, it was good. It was, it was good, good. That's old but school, I think brother. It, that's, that's old school, and it's a it believable is old school. angle. It is, yes. It's completely it believable. Yeah, yeah. It's completely believable, it's not cartoonish, you know, that's real shit, and we don't, I felt real emotion during the, during the angle, even after knowing too. what was going to happen. So, I did too. You know, I did too. It gripped me, and you know, and and it makes sense why that match was kept off of SummerSlam because they're going to pop a very nice buy rate for the next pay per view. I agree with you, but the, but the problem is, is that I I, I just don't like it where it, it's just been overdrawn. It's overdone before. I mean, you've seen DDP come in with his wife. You've seen the Macho Man come in with Elizabeth. Well, like this, yeah. But I mean, you see a lot of it where they always involve the family. I mean, David Flair, Reed Flair, Rick Flair. I mean, you always see the family pop in. Now, if they do it only this one time, where she got belted, and they kind of leave it at that, fine. I think it's a, it's it's successful. But if they're going to keep this going, where Rebecca's going to be part of the WWE storyline and everything else, I have a little bit of a problem with that because Shawn Michaels, to me, I don't want to see him get to that age. Like, remember Different Strokes? I brought up Gary Coleman earlier, okay? Mm-hmm. Remember Different Strokes? It was a pretty successful TV show, and then he brought that damn red-haired kid in, Sam. Remember that? They brought in oh, Sam. Oh, yeah, of course. And it ruined the show. Now, Gary Coleman's pretty successful. <laughs> why, why, why do you got to bring in a red-haired kid? So now you bring in Rebecca. That's okay. But use it very lightly. If they got to bring her one more time to bring the point in, family man, Shawn Michaels, stand for his values, fine. But don't carry it much further than that. I don't want to see another whole family thing. Uh, it proved its point. It did a good job. Let that be where it is. Mm. It is old school. I like it. Trust me. I do. I, you know, but, to be honest, I, I hope that they keep her away. There's no reason for her to be at yes. ringside or anything. But knowing yes. knowing Vince and, and those 
bullshit Hollywood writers. They're going to have her out there and whatever. You know, that's what I just said. That's, that's exactly what I just said. Yes, keep I, her away. Uh, God, I hope they keep her away. Just, she's just, not that good looking to me. Huh. You know, whatever. She's all, do you think she's hot? Not really. You know. No, I don't no, She's nothing either. special. When she was a Nitro girl, she was hot. Well, I think I think she looked good with that fat lip, though. <laughs> what do you say to a girl with a fat lip? <laughs> Nothing she hasn't done before. No. Um, hey, yo. Hey, you know what else? I want to want to kind of change the subject, if I may. Sure. Uh, you know, Ric Flair's coming to Chicago. My former stomping ground, former of Adam Pierce as well. Uh, Ric Flair coming to PCW. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have actually. Okay. All right. Have you seen the interview he did, the little promo he did, like the 53-second promo? It's on YouTube. No, I have not. I'll send it to you here when you go to a break or something. But uh, well, I can even play it over the phone for you. It's up to you. But um, go ahead and play it. Players, can we play it? Sure. Why not? All right. All right. I, I want to. Okay. Be, I'm going to play it, but I want you. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to play it, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell me if there's anything wrong with this promo. Now, remember, he's coming into Chicago. For what I've heard, for what I heard, about $12,000 for PCW. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if that's true. But I would have to imagine if you're going to bring in Ric Flair right now to be on your show, it's going to cost you at least five figures, okay? okay? So when you hear this promo, just do me a favor. Just tell me. <clears throat> and I'm, a little bit, I'm stalling here a little bit because I'm trying to find it. But tell me, do you think that this promo is really Ric Flair, or do you think he's just going through the motions? Here it goes, okay? Mm-hmm. Here we go. Sounds like a localized promo. It's like one of forty that he'll cut this cut this morning, you know, for well, the next loop. That's what it sounded fun. like. Like it was a generic type of promo. Yeah, it's funny because the promo was cut and they faded in the PCW logo with him being in that blue little flower type of robe, and they mm-hmm. cut it in as it faded back. And um, yeah, I agree with you, Casey. I think that that's probably what it was. But I'm just sitting there thinking, my God. 
for twelve grand, maybe you could do a little bit better. <laughs> I don't know. I just <laughs> I just thought that it was kind of rushed, kind of uh he he looked confused in the in the interview like WW I mean W no, no. Sean Mike no a PCW. Yeah. Woo <laughs> I don't know. It just sounded a little bit rushed to me. <laughs> Tremendous, tremendous. All right. Well, what, what we're going to do is we're we're going to have a little discussion, you and I, um, okay. about what what will happen is you can make yourself a custom DVD with five matches, and those matches will have to explain to whomever you're giving the DVD to why you love wrestling. What five matches would you put on there? Wow, that's a good question. Okay, probably one of the first one of the one of the matches I'd put on there because it was revolutionary and it really set the trend of today's wrestling fan would be Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, WrestleMania ten, I believe. Mm-hmm. The ladder match. match. Yeah. Okay. Got to throw that one on there because, like I said, today's wrestling fan, you go back WrestleMania ten, that was nineteen ninety four, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a lot of people who are wrestling fans now may not know I'm 37, and I go way back. You know, even I started watching it like in you know early 70s. You know what I mean? And I've seen a lot of 50s and 60s stuff. But I think that for today's fan, that was a really revolutionary type of thing. Just like the Beatles revolutionized rock and roll in a lot of ways. I think Shawn Michaels and I think uh, Razor Ramon with that match revolutionized that. That would be one that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. I also think, and you may laugh at this one, but I think Jerry Lawler and uh, Adam, uh, Andy Kaufman. <laughs> I really do. Mm. Um, Good that really, Yeah, because it brought wrestling to the mainstream. And if you look at what Vince McMahon has been trying to do for the last you know, X number of years, he's tried to bring wrestling to the mainstream, the average casual wrestling fan. And when you've got Jerry Lawler going on David Letterman smacking Andy Kaufman and having the match on TV, that's a huge match. Maybe not the best match, maybe not my favorite, but in terms of having a mark and an impact and an impression, i got to put that on there. Mm. Uh, Ric Flair, Terry Funk, 1989. I quit. I quit match. Because the mm-hmm. setup and the build-up to that match, KZ, was phenomenal. And I can swear here, right? Oh, fuck yes, you can. Fucking, fucking phenomenal build-up. Because when Terry Funk came out with that plastic bag, oh yeah, put it over Flair's head, you know, if you talked about Rebecca and Shawn Michaels being believability and having that uh, to-the-heart, old-school feel. <clears throat> I said to myself, how many times would you have liked to really put a plastic bag over someone's head that you hate and you just despise? And Terry Funk, when he was dissed by Ric Flair saying, oh, you know, you're older, it's not your time, you're done. Terry Funk snapped, man. He's like, fuck you. How dare you say that to me? And he snapped and he showed... And they built it up how angry and how pissed he was by trying to kill, <laughs> kill Ric Flair with a plastic bag, dude. All those warnings nowadays on stuff. This is not a toy. Don't let your child play with this plastic Happy Meal bag. Well, Terry Funk tried to kill Ric Flair. Tried to kill him. That's number three in my book. Right there. Very good. I have to even. I, I and I, the other one I have to go for impact. WrestleMania three. I have to go back to Ricky Steamboat and Macho Man Randy Savage for the Intercontinental Championship. 
I interviewed Ricky Steamboat back in, I think, 99 or 2000. And he told me about that match. He says, we had a three-ring binder, a spiral notebook or something. And he said, we had every move planned out. Macho Man would sit there, walk by him backstage randomly and say, move 55. Uh, snap over toehold. Oh, yeah. He'd walk by and go, Macho Man, number 12. Snap mare takedown. Perfect. They had that match so perfectly tuned to where they knew what they were going to do every second when they were in there. And you may say, well, that's not good because that comes off looking so scripted. No. It didn't, though. It looked wonderful. It looked great. That would be my other match. How many is that? Is that four? That's four. You have one more. That's four. Oh, God. Um, What was the match Kurt Angle had with with, uh, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania? Was that five years ago? No, it wasn't that long. It was like three, I think. Do you remember that one I'm talking about, though? I forgot where, you know, always, you know, you get older, you forget the WrestleMania numbers. But uh, the one where him and Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. Um, I thought that yeah. was just such a, huh? It was good. It wasn't oh, it, great, it, but it was oh, good. I thought it was. No, not Shawn Michaels. What? Chris Benoit and, uh, excuse me, you know what, I, I'm, I'm confusing myself. I, I beg your pardon. Which was the match with with Chris Benoit, and I and forgive my ignorance here, because Chris Benoit had the match where he won the title it was against Triple H, correct? Triple H and Michaels, the three-way. What? Yeah, WrestleMania 20, correct? Yes, New York. Yes, yeah. where Benoit won the title. Just, you know, people can say all they want about Benoit, he, he's a killer, he's a this and that, but, you know, if you look past that and see what he brought to the entertainment world of wrestling, professional wrestling... That match right there, I mean, talk about the way they built it up. I mean, they did a great service to Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit in the WWE by making them champions, and rightfully so, because they just uh, put on phenomenal stuff. I would say that would be another one. Just, you know, I could sit here probably for like a week and give you other ones, but just off the top of my head, that's what you want probably. That'd be my five. Well, that, 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 that match with Benoit at Mania 20 was the culmination, the life, quote-unquote lifetime achievement award you know, Chris, this yeah. is what this is for what you've done, right? You know, it's not so much that you've you've earned it on this run. This right. is right. this is your vilification. This is right. you know for your contribution, and that's that's what I saw it as a lifetime achievement award. But I think that's why it was so good because it was yeah, a reward exactly. for him. All the it's just like these athletes who you know have a great year, like Michael Jordan made three four million dollars a year, but then when he got in that contract, nobody realized how good he was going to be. And then, fuck, man, he started making $30, dollars $40 for one season because they gave him that reward for doing so well. And he still delivered with that $40 million a year by the NBA, by the Chicago Bulls, and he still won championships because he was that damn good. There it is. Well, would you, would you like to hear my five? Yes. I was going to say, KZ, would you please tell me your five matches? I would be deeply right. enthralled to hear them. And let me comment, um, okay. because you commented on mine. First off, um, I filmed this match, and it was my personal favorite independent match ever. Uh, January fifteenth, 1999, in Hayward, California, Christopher Daniels against Michael Modest, two of my oh, favorite okay. all-time workers. Yes. Um, yes. Just an amazing all-Japan-style match, 25 minutes of pure drama. Um it made the top ten of the Death Valley Driver video review uh, independent matches of the 90s. 
It's just a just an amazing match. Um, Chris Daniels is one of the most technical wrestlers probably in the past 15 years I've seen come out. He wrestled in Chicago for many years, and uh, he's good. He's very, very good, and uh, he knows he's good. I'll just leave it at that. There you go. And <laughs> my next one is from Michinoku Pro, their third anniversary show, 10-10-96, the 10-man tag, Togo Teo, Shiru, Taka, and Funaki against Hamada, Delphin, Nanwa, Tiger Mask, and Yakashiji. This match just defined the junior style in Japan for me. And it still holds the test of time. I mean, just so much, so many moves, so much stuff. Told such a great story. And plus, you know, also the program, you know, with the Kayentai against the baby faces was just awesome mm-hmm. stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, just Was Benoit wrestling as Pegasus at that time, or was that Benoit Benoit? This was after. After this Pegasus. After. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was, uh, I think it, he may have been, at this time he was in WCW already. Okay, 99 you said? No, 96. 96, excuse me, you said 99 before with Chris Daniels. Right. Uh, yeah, you're right, yeah, that's right, that was afterwards, absolutely, yeah, because that was more like early 90s Pegasus. Okay, yeah, I, I don't believe I saw that one, but oh, you talk about those six guys, holy cow, that's, mm-hmm. that can only be good. <laughs> All right, the next one from the AAA IWC pay-per-view, Masks vs. Hair, Eddie Guerrero and Art Barr against El Io Dos Santo and Octagon. The epitome of Lucha Libre tag team. Oh, uh, Art Barr, God rest his soul. Oh, fuck, I missed that guy. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, oh. Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, he was, he was phenomenal. Yeah, it was just an exceptional match. And the next Who went one over on that one? Hmm? Oh, uh, went over. uh, Santo and Octagon. They did, okay. Yeah, Eddie and Eddie and Art got shaved. Nice. So nice. And oh, wait a minute! I remember that. That's yeah, because Eddie was on the cover, I think, of the Pro Wrestling Torch after that match with his head shaved. And there it is. I, I remember that. Yes, yes, yes. Boy, how long ago was that? Woohoo! Ninety-four. Yeah, that's the year I got married, 94. Matter of fact, I celebrated my 14th anniversary yesterday, but that has no relevance whatsoever. So, <clears throat> All right, my next match, um, from, a- it, from AWA TV, it aired on New Year's Eve, 1986. It was filmed November 11th. Uh, Nick Bockwinkle went one hour solid with Kurt Hennig. Yes! Oh, oh, man! What a great display of wrestling. Good stuff. Good call. Good, Good call. Oh, man. Yeah, they went Broadway, right? Hour. Yeah, one, one hour. hour Broadway? Oh, jeez. Took up the whole show. Yeah, it aired on ESPN. That was oh. good stuff. You know, I, I, I interviewed Bachwinkle twice. One of, the, one of my old radio show back in uh, Waukegan last year, and once on camera, on video, which I should probably put these on YouTube, I guess. I don't know. But on camera when he was up there for the uh, Superstars on Ice up in Milwaukee for Dave Hero, who Dave Hero is a great promoter up there in the Milwaukee area. And uh, just, you want to talk about genuine nice guy, probably be- besides Bobby Heenan and God rest his soul, Road Warrior Hawk, Mike Hegstrand, Bachwinkle's right there. Um, great call on that match. Oh, my God, I almost forgot about that one. How could I have forgotten about that match? And that was the year before Bachwinkle retired. Yeah. 
And my fifth match will be Clash of Champions 4, the Midnight Express against Ric Flair and Barry Windham. Woo! That's a good call. Yeah. Rest, uh, uh, number four, was that with was that with uh, Condry? No, that was with Lane. Yeah, it was Lane. Yeah. Yeah, because Condry and broke up, ladies. Wow. Now, didn't the Midnight, did the Midnights hold the belts at that time? I think they were U.S. tag champs, if I remember right. I'm going to pull it up while I'm sitting there talking to you because that I remember that match. Yeah, Barry Wyndham because Wyndham joined in April of 88, the Four Horsemen. Right. I think April 23rd after you turned on Lex. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that was wow, just a, <laughs> an amazing, amazing match. You've got the tag, tag champs and then the U.S. and the World Heavyweight Champion. It was just a perfect match. And what... You you know the best tag team against the two best singles in the company is just a, you know an amazing thing and you know they were given you know a good amount of time I would rather them you know had longer but you know they they were given a good amount of time and it was just just a solid solid match and it's about as perfect a TV match as you can get. Yep. If I may, <clears throat> wrestle. Uh, if I may talk about the match here. Clash Champions 4 was called Season Beatings, December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day in 1988, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Ric Flair, he was the heavyweight champion at that time. With Barry Windham, the U.S. heavyweight champion at that time. The Midnight Express did not have the tag team championships. No, they didn't. Because the Fantastics on that same show defeated Eddie Gilbert and Ron Simmons to win the NWA United States Tag Team Championship in 27 minutes. But the match you talked about... Barry Windham pinned Bobby Eaton after Ric Flair had eaten with a shoe. There you go. Man, that was... Oh, that's a good call, Casey. That's a good call. Yeah, it's just... That a, show set up Starcade 88, by the way. Yes, it did. Oh, man. Yeah, that's good talk about the old days, ain't it? Wow. The good in times, as my son likes to say. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> They went almost 18 minutes in that match. But you said, now, because that was the last show. See, the problem with the the Clash of Champions back then, they were live. So if someone went long, I mean, they gave, I'm looking at Wikipedia. So they gave Ivan Koloff and Paul Jones eight minutes, which is normal. Um, Mm -hmm. The funny part was is that they gave the Fantastics and Gilbert and Simmons almost 30 minutes in their match. So with live TV, here's, here's the funny part about this whole match. With Flair and Wyndham defeating the Midnights, they gave almost the same exact time to Steve Williams and the Italian Stallion. <laughs> Steve Williams, Dr. Death pins Stallion after turning a cross body block into a running power slam. 15 minutes and 17 seconds compared to Ric Flair, Wyndham, and Midnights, 1741. <laughs> Unbelievable. How do you do that? I have no idea. Doctor Doctor Death and the Italian Stallion. Uh, not getting into tomorrow, Rock. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, Got me. I don't know either. I have no. So you idea take how you take you, could... you take breaks on this show, KZ, or what do you do? Nope, not at all. We just go live and we just keep going and going and going. Sometimes we go over two hours. And you go seven to nine, right? <clears throat> Something like that, yeah. When do you have AP on tonight? He is on at eight o'clock our time. Okay. Okay. And 
uh, will be in about 19 minutes. Okay. Can I throw some news at you and let me maybe uh, turn the tables a little Please. bit and see what you think? Let's do it to it. <clears throat> okay. You know, it's been kind of an interesting week here. Um, there's been some interesting situations. There's been talk about Mick Foley, obviously, supposedly leaving WWE here really soon because his contract is up in September. Um, did you notice in the last <clears throat> maybe year or so when Mick Foley was on TV and when they would introduce him or he would be part of an angle or something, it seems like the fans, maybe because they're the fans of today, just didn't really seem to kind of give him the pops that he used to get when he was Mankind or even Mick Foley back in the day. It just seemed like he was someone who was just like, okay, we've seen your spiel, we know who you are, okay, whatever. I mean, he, you know, he got a respectable pop, but did Mick Foley kind of fall into the maybe forgotten wayside of somebody who all they did was just put their body in line each and every time and people realized it and gave it up? What do you think about that? I think they're just newer fans. Yeah? Yeah, I think they're just newer fans. That's, you know, that's just what it is, I think. And I, that and I think that the fans are so numb to everything. You know, it's just nothing means anything anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just going to get your fucking sign on TV. Yep. Yep, there's a billion of those damn things. What do you, you know, and, and I see, sometimes I see struggling with the WWE uh, writing and the booking and stuff like that. I mean... I saw Kane the other night on TV, and it just seemed like it was so forced with his promo about the whole Rey Mysterio thing. And it was like it was like almost to the point like where he did the whole thing, and then who came in? Oh, you didn't you didn't see Raw, did you? You didn't watch Raw. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I mean, you know, the, the whole thing with Rey Mysterio. I mean, Rey's still out with an injury. I mean, he's still trying to recover from all them damn knee things he's had over the over the past ten some years. Um, can Rey still make a big impact if he stays healthy in this sport? I mean. Can you see him coming back, and they can they give him the push like they're doing with Jeff Hardy, where he may be primed for the heavyweight championship one day? I mean, where is Ray in this current business? Done. Think so? Done. He's going to be a shell of his former self. He should have hung it up after WCW closed, just because his knees are in so bad shape. You know, I mean, he's, you know, it's going to get to the point where he can't, you know, play football with Dominic. You know, it's it's yeah. going to get to that point. You know, he's fucking up his body really bad, and he's one bad bump away from really throwing his knees away. Well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> because when, obviously, Benoit committed the horrid crimes he committed last year in July, um, you know, we heard about the whole thing with the doctor having the, the label with OG, Oscar Gutierrez, which is Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any, I mean, do you believe it? <clears throat> is there any truth or any support that you may give the argument that maybe there's some legalities here going on, some legal action that they have to sort through, and that's why they're putting them off to the side? I mean, is there something here that, that could is, be? Uh, yeah. You know what? That, yeah, that makes makes all the sense in the world. Now, as far as him, him being on the juice and things, you know, he's a small guy. He's got a small frame. You know, and yeah, steroids make you bigger. They don't make you taller. And his body, right. that's why his knees are going. Right, because right, right. his body, his frame just can't hold yep. it. Now he's what five, six on a good day. That's right, with lifts in his shoes. Now how tall are you, Casey? Me, I'm five foot nine, okay, and I tower five, over Ray. I'm five ten. I tower over Ray as well, and I know what the job I do, and being a parent and everything else. 
my knees hurt just because what you do in life and on a job. And I can't imagine being in a squared circle, bouncing off the ropes, and and possibly, underline it and highlight it and put it in parentheses, possibly being on steroids, that that would do any good. Like you said, that's got to add a lot of weight, add a lot of problems. And if there is more to this picture, I'm just saying if there is more to this picture, I see why they're doing it. But like you said, I think the Reyes passes prime, but he still gets the Latino reaction. When he's out there, you know, there's a lot of Latino wrestling fans, Mexican wrestling fans, you know, even in Puerto Rico when they go down to Florida. He's a draw for those people. I remember back in the day, KZ, when Tito Santana and Jake the Snake Roberts had their feud back in 87, uh, late 86, whatever it was, they had a little feud going on. I went to Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, and, of course, Chicago, a very populated Mexican community, <clears throat> they just came to see Tito. And someone would actually leave after Tito was done. <laughs> you know? So he still has a very big drawing power, which I think is probably why they're sticking with him and letting him get through this, and then eventually he'll come back in, like riding on you know a big white horse into the sunset. Yeah, I, I know he's going to come back, but, you know, it, it's, it's a shame. You know, I honestly have not enjoyed his, his WWE run. Um, I first saw Ray when he was 16 years old up really? here in 92, I think, 92. And I've seen him working here for AAA, and, you know, and then uh, WCW after. That was Ray. That was Ray. Working cruiserweights, working that flying style against Guys his size that are smaller, not, you know, in there with, you know, fucking JBL and, you know, Brock Lesnar and all these other big guys. I, yeah. I It's not Ray. That's right, not right. that's not the Ray that I knew. Right. No, you're you right. Know, <clears throat> he, he, he'll, he's not. He'll never be a heavyweight. He will never work like a heavyweight. His style does not look right working with heavyweights. It just... You know, it just doesn't work. Right. While you're while you're talking, I'm uh, sending some uh, instant messages to some friends here because I want them to hear the show as well. Cool. So, um, yeah, hopefully, get them out there. But uh, now, when people call in like this, I mean, forgive my ignorance once again, but when people call mm-hmm. in, you throw them right on the air, right? We 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 talk and everything else. That's it. I just throw them on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I got a uh, gentleman right here. Burke is saying, are you on right now? I'm going to say, yes, indeed. In. Boom. Uh, See, just just like that. 347-215-7946. That's it. I've been putting the number on there, so hopefully we get some people coming in. There we go. There we go. See, uh, usually, you know, we have guests and whatnot, and we, we usually don't open up the phone lines. But uh, since Vito, looks like Vito's going to no-show tonight, so I guess we'll just keep him open, waiting for Adam to call in. And, Bastard. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll uh, I got, you know, it's funny, I just sent a, I sent a, he said, I said, you're on the air right now? He says, yes, call in. He says, oh, man, I'm not prepared to call in. I'm going to say, neither are we. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm going to right here, just 
call. Damn it. LOL. <laughs> he says, ha oh, boy. There you go. Just call it. Funny shit. Hopefully Burke, Burke will give it. You know who Burke is, right? Of course. Burke will boom. Yep, that's right. Yeah, call us in, he Burke. Just, uh, he uh, sent me this instant message. It says, at that number, do they have good pizza? <laughs> <laughs> no, my wife's sleeping. <laughs> Come on, Chris. <laughs> Who's that, Burke? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Burke Corona, man? What's happening? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> we will have... Uh... Oh, shit. I'm an idiot. Uh, this episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsors, FogCityWrestling.com. Uh, check out Fog City. They'll be having their return show within the next couple months. And also, our other sponsor would be WrestleWarehouse.com. You can get uh, wrestling DVDs, lucha masks, T-shirts. Also, make sure to check out the newest releases from Wrestle Warehouse. Uh, Two-disc shoot interview with the Ballard Brothers. Uh, we went about two and a half hours with Shane and Shannon. And the second disc is a best of the Ballards from SoCal Pro Wrestling in San Diego. And the other new release from Wrestle Warehouse is the Michael Modest shoot interview which is two hours and 45 minutes of fucking amazing discussion. Um, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Mike and, and conducting the interview. Uh, uh, $14.99 plus shipping for the Modest Shoot and $19.99 for the Ballot Shoot. There we go. I forgot to plug my sponsors. Jeez. Damn. Free, All right. Uh, now, those, um, those shoot interviews are free to your guest uh, Co-host, correct? No. <laughs> no. Damn. 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 All right. All righty. Call. Caller from the seven seven three. Who am I speaking with? That's Commer. Yeah. What's going on? How's it going, going on, guys? boss? Commer, this is Brian. You're this, yeah, this is Brian, and uh, of course, this is Casey Kid Zombie. He, it's his show, internet show, which I sent you the uh, link for. So. There may be a little delay here, here or there on the phone. So, Commer used to listen to Off the Top of Radio back in Chicago, Casey, many years. This gentleman is very smart in the world of sports, wrestling. He's very, very gifted with the talk and uh, knows his stuff. So, Commer, you can say whatever the fuck you want to here because it's Internet. Yeah, there's no FCC. <laughs> no FCC, baby. Go ahead. Fire yeah. away. Uh, well, I'm Cubs. Yeah, the Cubs are doing really well. Yeah, Better Five than my Giants. <laughs> Geez, we look like a fucking triple-A team. Yeah, how's that Barry Zito uh, signing doing for you? <laughs> yikes, yikes. You know, no, Commer, we, talking... we were talking a little bit about Ric Flair earlier, uh, jumping in with PCW there in Chicagoland, which you're not that far from. Now, uh, KZ, Commer, if I may set this up, Commer is a huge ROH fan. But I'm also a huge Ric oh, Flair right. fan as well. Yes, yes. My first, my first wrestling event that I ever saw live was Spring Stampede '94, which was the main event of Flair and Steamboat. So um, I, ha- I hold, I hold Flair very dear to my heart because of that. All right, all right. I have to ask, which match was better, the Spring Stampede match or the rematch that they had on the Saturday Night Show? I actually didn't see the Saturday Night Show. I would have to go with Stampede oh. totally because of that. And I, oh. that was an amazing one. And it, it, it ended sort of in a shock because. You were wondering who who had won in that split moment, right. as soon as the bell rang, who had won the match uh, at Spring Stampede. 
So yeah, it was, it, was, it was strange. They they used the pay-per-view match to build to the TV match as opposed to the TV match building to the pay-per-view match. Right. It's yes. kind of odd, but it worked. It so, did. It worked. But those guys oh, worked together so many so many times. It's just it's it's brilliance in that ring, and then seeing that for the first time live is it really hooked me in. Hey, have Connor, you guys seen? Have you guys uh have you guys seen the Jim Cornette garbage tapes from the Mid Atlantic no, films? No, no I, I have not. you know what? I've got uh, a lot of people who have those. Have you have you seen now you know of course Comrie you know who Jim Cornette is, but I mean he yeah. supposedly uh had found these tapes from Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, which eventually you know forged together with the NWA back in the early eighties, that the promoter K Z had actually thrown out, correct? Yes. And what happened? Now these are these are not matches that have commentary and all that stuff. Just regular basic wrestling matches, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You okay. get so tell some me, have tell me sound. Why you asked that question. Um, there are some on those eight. There are eighteen discs <laughs> that you can get at BobBarnett.com um, that have. There are so many Flair Steamboat matches on there that are just amazing. Really amazing. And this is from the seventies. And it, you know, you look at those matches. Then you look at the ones in '89. Then you look at the ones in '94, and they just—they're—they're—it's it, like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers dancing in there. It's, it's the same fucking thing, and it, it, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, now, see, that's, what, like, that's what's great of it, about it. No matter if it's one year apart, five years apart, every time those two guys went into the ring, it was brilliant, and you loved it. Yeah. You caught it. You were caught up in every single minute of it. Well, you know what's funny? You know what's funny? When I heard people talk like independent wrestlers from Chicago and Comer, you know Adrian, you know Adrian Lynch, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian, good friend of mine, and you know he would sit there whenever he would whenever he would talk about an indie match, he would say, "Well, you know it was a decent match. They had a good house. Blah 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 blah." He says, "But you know what? It was no Flair Steamboat." And when someone would sit there and use the analogy of it was no Flair Steamboat, it just made you realize that wow. You know, when you when you would set the bar at being a Flair Steamboat match and you use that term so loosely, I mean that was like that was like the protocol. I mean that was Flair Steamboat. Now, Comer, ROH, is there anything you can see there? And and the reason also why I had contacted you here on IM is because KZ is going to have Adam Pierce on the show here in about what uh, or so. <laughs> both both of us know you know Adam a little bit more than I do, but Adam's a He's one of those great comedic workers in the ring. He's not, he's not going to bring you the Ric Flair stuff, but he'll make you laugh out loud and be entertained to get your oh, yeah. money worth. Uh, I, 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 you guys, bear with me on this one. I have gone on the record and on the air, and I have compared Adam Pierce to Harley Race as far as in the ring during Harley's run as champion and during Adam's run as champion. What do you think of that comparison? I I haven't seen... When I started watching ROH, Adam was sort of in the role of a heel commissioner, and he's sort of in that role now since uh, he just actually just dropped the NWA belt not too long ago. But I haven't seen too much of him holding the strap, so Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to gauge that sort of comparison. Okay. Now, I want you to email me your address. My email address is kidzombie2000 at AOL.com, and I will okay. drop a disc in the mail for you of a comp that I made for Adam. Um, okay. It's got a lot of his work from San Diego. Okay. And amazing stuff. 
or Commerce, now, just, just IME, and I'll get you his address. It's no big deal. There okay. you go, even better. You know what? The, the thing is, I to be honest, I don't like Adam's ROH work. Okay. Now, really? because it's not, it's not him. He well, he does he's not able. That? He's not able to really show what he can do. Yeah, I, I can. That's where he's limited in in some aspects. But like I said, he he's gone more of the comedic approach in terms of what he does in the ring. He's a lot more yelling and screaming at the ref. He's gotten the Repo Man chance in, the, in at Chicago Ridge. They've been cha- yeah, you could bring that up to him about the Repo Man chance he's gotten uh, in Chicago Ridge. <laughs> because one night he looked like he, he dressed up sort of looking like Repo Man. So he might chain a Repo Man. <laughs> well, but, I mean, well, he's gone that route is, right now. The thing is, when when I've had Adam on in the past, we really didn't discuss ROH. Mm-hmm. You know, we just never really brought it up, just because it's it's it, he's like Lawler. He has where he, he works in Memphis. You know, he's that big babyface, and everywhere else he's the big heel. Now, right. Adam's work is completely different outside of ROH. Completely. Oh different. yeah, I, I was tell, like Comer. I was telling KZ. I said, you know, I, I helped him get introduced, you know, to the business with Sonny Rogers. And yeah, that's what Adam back. told me. Uh, Adam told me after an ROH show, I mentioned I knew Brian. He told me, Brian, if it wasn't for Brian, I wouldn't be in the business. So uh, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> because there he is successful go. in the wrestling. He now he's successful in the wrestling world, and just to hear that makes it feel good. Because Comer, when when Comer was just a little Comer. Back in the day, <laughs> he used to call the show, and he would. I had some old tapes, KZ, where Commerce sounded like Peter Brady from the Brady Bunch. And he was trying to kind of change, and his voice would crack, and it was cute, you know, because he was ten years old. But uh, Commerce has been a huge wrestling fan, a big supporter, and one of these days, Commerce is going to be calling Cub Games or something in the broadcast business because he's that good. But in regards to Adam Pierce, um, he, you know, I, I kind of maybe compare Adam Pierce to the ROH type of wrestling. I would like to do a comparison. I used the whole Flair Steamboat analogy before, but I would like to compare Adam Pearce and ROH, kind of like what Terry Taylor was back in the end uh, at WWE, WWF back in those days, where he mm-hmm. was very limited to what he could do. He became the fucking Red Rooster for crying out loud. Right. Okay. Yeah, I can see and, that. And, Pierce has been limited. Yeah. Yeah, he's been very limited, and I and I and I look at that and I see that and I say, you know what? It reminds me so much of Terry Taylor, who, Comer, you probably maybe not know. You know Taylor from the '84, '83, '85 era, but he was so good in terms of being a technical, sound wrestler and believable from top to bottom. Where Adam is as well, and and he went into WWF to be the Red Fucking Rooster, and you right. saw what he did. You know, he just was not be able. He was he not was able a character. To be, he was a cartoon character. He wasn't. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And isn't that kind of what now? Now, Comer, you saw his shows live, and of course, KZ. I know that you know his shows, but is he kind of becoming some sort of cartoon character in a way? Uh, not a cartoon character, but he's just becoming more of a comedic wrestler. Okay. If you understand what I'm saying, like I said, the yelling and the screaming at the ref and the right. yelling at the crowd, looking at the crowd begrudgingly and, I mean, getting the getting the loud boos and all that. I mean, he's getting that sort of reaction. And he, okay. he's not pulling out four-star matches out of his rear. You know, he's he's... he's Fighting good matches and having an entertaining time of it, for, at least from right. a fan perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. And Katie, well, you've seen a lot of his <laughs> matches. Yes, I have. Um, like, like I said, guys, um, you know he, he's completely different. 
completely different. And I I wish that that he would leave Ring of Honor and you know just do the whole NWA thing. Um, just he's better than that. You know, he's better than that shtick. And Are you going to bring this up to him when he's on the air? I don't have to. He knows it. We've discussed well, it on the I air before. Like, yeah, but you know, Commerce is going to be listening, and I'm going to be listening, and I want I want to <clears throat> I want to hear you say that to him. I want you to I want you to bring it up to him. Do you think that he'd be better off? It doesn't. It doesn't prove any ground by you saying, "Well, he knows that." I want you to bring it to his attention. I mean, I want to hear what. Right. He I mean, it's, I, I, yeah, that'd be good to get a response out of him, at least for that right. opinion. Right. Okay. Well, why, why don't now, you guys Steve, keep discussing? I, I have to change phones, so just uh, continue the conversation. I'll chime right back in. Hey, okay. it's the Comer and Brian Radio Show, Comer. How do you like that? <laughs> yeah, I like it. Oh, good old days. <laughs> hey, Comer. You know, you used to you used to listen to the radio show, of course, religiously back in the day when we had Adam on, and you saw some tapes of the off the top rope TV show. I mean, when you saw, did you did you watch Adam wrestle back in like ninety five, ninety six? Not too with, much. Uh, no, no. Honestly, okay. not too much. All I knew of him was from your dealings with him, and then seeing him at ROH. I mean, like I said before, he was sort of. A, it was like a lieutenant commissioner by the time I started watching ROH, which was two years ago, and right. he sort of gotten back into wrestling primarily full time with ROH. He's been a heel. Well, he told me he told me too a few years ago that he was going to get out of the wrestling business because he wanted to actually pursue a career that was going to you know be sound for him and make him some money in the plumbing business because obviously he was a. Uh, and I, I hope that KZ maybe brings this up, that he was actually gifted in some sort of apprenticeship with uh, plumbing or some kind of construction that you know, escapes my mind. But he was looking to kind of get out of the wrestling business because he was getting sour on it and everything else. And then just when that conversation started to spark, boom, he's all over the freaking place. Right. Well, <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, uh, I guess the champ can answer for himself. Welcome to the show, Adam. How you doing, brother? Hey, boys. How's it going? Did I die and, and get resurrected? Did I hear the name of Brian Shank, the voice of Brian Shank on this show? <laughs> yes, sir. Adam <laughs> going, Pierce. Man? How are you How doing, are you, Adam? Oh, my God. Man. It's been forever. How are you? Hey, dude, I tell you what, it is so, it's so good to hear your voice because I'm going to tell you something. I've known KZ over the last few years, and I've chatted with him before on the Internet and stuff like that, and him and I have done some trading here and there about stuff, and when I when I was t- I just signed on out of the blue tonight and he sent me an email saying hey you know I'm doing the show call in blah 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 I said okay I'll call in yeah okay good and then I saw his little ad there on the rubber radio and it said Adam Pierce now I didn't see that before I started talking to him and I said wait a minute I said you have scrap iron Adam Pierce from Waukegan Illinois the Waukegan Bulldog the football player extraordinaire <laughs> on this wrestling radio show tonight he says yes. I said, let me tell you a little story, not to pat myself on the back or anything else, because you know I'm not fooling myself like some people are. I no. says, Adam Pierce used to send me stuff with, remember the FWA? I know you do. Of course. <laughs> of course. Said, Adam, Adam Pierce is one of the greatest guys and hardest workers and someone who has been dedicated, who I've known personally, and helped get involved in the business some way by introducing to Sonny Rogers, and I am so sure. proud of you, man. I am so proud of you, because you are so well-known in the wrestling business, dude. And to know that you came over at 3237 Sheridan Road in Zion, frickin' Illinois, and hung out with us, and played, and had a good time, and went out with us, and had fun, and drank, and talked about wrestling, it does my heart good. And Adam, we haven't talked in years, man, and I'm so happy it, to hear from you. It has been years. I, I understand you're in Arizona now, is that right? 
That's correct, yeah, about 40 miles east of Phoenix. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm in San Diego now, so neither one of us are in the uh, Lake County, Illinois area, thank God. <laughs> but, Commerce uh, in Cook County. <laughs> that, that's true. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, brother. Um, <laughs> God. It's, Brian, it's been forever, and yeah, I guess to, to a certain degree, I owe you, I owe you and, and Danny Bartels, wherever he may be, a, a big uh, thank you for hooking me wow. up with Sonny Rogers and Randy Ritchie and, and those that ended up kind of setting me on my way. The NAWF, baby, the North American Wrestling Federation in Racine in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It, it, you got hey, it. it is a pleasure. And you know what? I know that I know that KZ is the host of the show, and I'm just happy to talk to you. Now, did Comer give you my phone number at that show, at the ROH show? Uh, yeah, I gave it to him last Saturday after the bar. Oh, at the bar? Well, then that, I still then I don't have it, of course. You gave it to me at the bar. That's no good. <laughs> you were supposed to program I saw you program it in your phone. All right, hold on. Let me look. Let me look. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey, Commerce, Commerce calling him out. I like that. See, Commerce is <laughs> out here. I'll be damned. I have it. Do you really? Yes, I have no recollection of Saturday night, but I have Brian Shank's uh, phone number. I believe the area code's 480. Am I right? That is correct. Now, you call well, me sometime, maybe, when you've got time, and let's catch up, because I know KZ wants to talk to you. This is his show. I don't want to take anything away from him, because he's got you on for his guest. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to listen to it online, because I'm going to let you go. But sure. Adam, Comer, KZ, it's been a pleasure tonight, man. Thank you so much for having me on the air. And, Adam, we need to catch up and talk and just you know laugh about the old days, brother. And I wish you the best of luck. God bless you. And anything that you accomplish in this business, you deserve. And I am very, very happy for you, and I hope you accomplish everything that you want to in this business, brother. You are a true blue good guy, and I really mean that. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. God bless you, too. You too, man. Okay, I'm going to get off of here. Comer, if you want to stay, I'm leaving. Uh, KZ, again, thank you, sir. I do appreciate it as well. Not a problem, Brian. Thanks for, uh, okay. thanks for hey, having Adam, me Hey, Adam. Adam, keep him honest, man. Always. You don't mean <laughs> All right. I'm listening online, guys. Thank you. All right, Brian. Thanks, dude. Bye-bye. All right, call me, Adam. You got it. Awesome. Well, how is wow, that, that is awesome. How is that, yeah, that I mean, it's got to be it's got to be at least. Let's see. When did I move out here? It would have been uh, nine years ago, and probably even a couple years before. I mean, it's got to be at least ten years since I've talked to Brian Shank. So thanks for that. Hey, it's it's not a problem, brother. It's uh, it was my pleasure. <clears throat> oh man. Well, um, let's uh, let's let's talk about the match you had with Nigel, the title versus title. Okay. Um, what, what did you think of it? I mean, I, I heard that from the fans there in the building that it came off kind of flat. Um, what, what did you think of the match? I, I've yet to see it. but I, I have yet to see the, the DVD of it. I, I will say this. I, having been there in the building, uh, knowing what the finish was, obviously, we knew going in and the way that it was booked that that finish was going to get a certain reaction, which it did. That said, the fans were anything but flat during the match. As a matter of fact, I'd go so far as to say that they got worked like any other group of fans would by both me and Nigel, knowing what we had to work with going in there and knowing what the outcome was. We we couldn't ask for a better crowd, to be honest with you. It, it went pretty much exactly as we knew it was going to go. And, uh, of course, you know the fans don't like going in, but we have a, a plan for what we're trying to do and, and what the end result is supposed to be of everything. And what we set out to accomplish that night, we did. And so from that standpoint, I'm happy. Of course, I haven't seen it on tape to know you know exactly how everything looked and whatnot, but I'll get that soon enough. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So, um, what did you think of the match with Brent, where where you dropped the title? I was surprised. Um, um I loved the match. I would I would go so far as to say, uh, 
that it was, and I'm sure I've had better, quote, matches, i.e. physically, in the last 12 or 13 years, but I don't think I've had a, uh, one that's, uh, to me, been more exciting. I would say without question, I, there's maybe one or two other matches I've had, like I said, in the last 13 years that, that live up to that. It was the right the right environment, uh, the right opponent, and everything just clicked on all cylinders. Uh, I don't... It's hard in our day and age, especially in Ring of Honor, where we're accustomed to working with guys who are 50, 60, 75 pounds lighter than us to go out there and work a heavyweight style to make it believable and to have 2,000 people eating out of your hand. It was probably, it was, well, I could say, well, a question, it was the best reaction for a match that I've ever had live in Ring of Honor. And Brent, I think, would tell you the same thing. And everything just felt perfect. Everything absolutely just felt perfect about that match, coming back through the curtain. I was so jacked coming back through the curtain, I wanted to go out there and go another 25 minutes. It was uh, it was one of those special moments, man. And uh, I think one of those surprise matches that will go down in Ring of Honor history is as uh, one that has one of the, the, the best reactions live in the house. I mean, the people, I mean, they were there for every near fall. And when Brent went over, I mean, you'd have thought Bruno San Martino was just won the title in the Garden. It was great. Yeah, I, I heard they went bananas. You know, it was absolutely. You couldn't. And... Yeah, man, I could not. Uh, you know, I have a rough copy of it. Dave Marquez and the NWA film crew was on hand to put together the YouTube piece that a lot of people have seen. Uh, and in addition, you know, just shoot the match. And I mean, we're talking about thirty-five-year-old fathers with their ten-year-old kids literally jumping up and down in their seats. I mean, it was like it was uh, the Omni in 85 all over again. And we worked the match that way. Uh, I get called old school all the time. I don't know if it's old school or if it's just the correct way to wrestle a wrestling match. I will argue to anybody who tells me that the way I put together a match is wrong. Um, I don't work a junior heavyweight match. Neither does Brent. We're legitimately both over 245 pounds. So we had to go out there and start slow and work up to it and make sure that our spots and our high spots meant something going forward. And we took a lot of bumps towards the end of the match, uh, but they were all placed where we thought would be the right spots. And, and thankfully, the people came with us, started slow and just build, and we tried to take them on a roller coaster ride, and uh, I think we did. And I'm really happy. I mean, I couldn't be happier with the, with the result. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the newest member of the NWA, SoCal Pro Wrestling, um, uh-huh. Jeff Dino, um, I talked to Jeff regularly, uh, at least daily, and and we were you know we were just discussing you know you as champ and you know what what other things could be going on, um, because now obviously what happens to you affects him, right. because he's an NWA member, and sure. I called I called Brent as the guy who would take the title from you, but right, not in my wildest dreams would I've ever thought it would be on an ROH show. Why honestly? And it Why? was just, just amazing. Just, I figured it would be it would be on you know probably an anniversary show for the NWA anniversary show or or this past weekend in Charlotte. You know I kind of figured it would have been something like that, but not on an ROH show. But it surprised me. It got the fuck over. Um, the fans saw a different side of you as far as being in the ring. I feel that that's my feeling. Hmm. Because okay. it's completely, completely different than than what you have been doing in ROH. Oh yeah, I'll grant you that. I I said this to to Nigel before our match, and even even to Gabe Sapolsky and the Booker's of Ring of Honor. I said if we're going to do, 
if we're going to have the NWA belt in Ring of Honor, regardless of what any fan thinks the NWA means today versus 25 years ago, and I don't need to go down that road because we've done it, but regardless of perception for today's fan, especially those who are the, the Internet armchair quarterback types that don't come out and buy a ticket, but yet they bitch about everything online, if we're going to wrestle, have that title in here, uh, we, we need to change things up. And the discussion was that, obviously, I know how I've been booked in Ring of Honor over the last, you know, 18 months to two years since the CZW Wars ended. And like I've said a million times when people ask me, I have absolutely no problem with it. There's a, everyone, every company needs a mid-card heel fall guy for baby faces to, to work up to before they go to that upper echelon. I don't have a problem being that guy. But if you're going to now recognize a belt on a wrestler, especially a heel who's been doing that shtick for 18 months, the the booking has to change accordingly, and also my style has to change accordingly to pull that off. So, I mean, outside of the match with Brent, I had the match with Nigel. It was the only match I'd had in Ring of Honor up to that point as NWA champion where I defended the belt unless my memory's screwed up, which is possible. Mm-hmm. Um and I did a lot, we did ha 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 and some some funny shtick and whatnot in the Nigel match uh, in the beginning, and then the second half was pretty much you know bare bones wrestling and and essentially some of the same stick, but uh, but with me being more serious, the match with Brent was all business. Number one, there's a history there in Ring of Honor, so thankfully it's not like it was a fresh pairing. Personally, in my opinion, I think they should have never done me versus Nigel. I don't think that that match. Uh, if you were going to build to a match like that, you need to, quote, build to it. And there was no build for that whatsoever. It was kind of a one-off deal, and this will be kind of cool and whatever. But, hey, I don't run the company. Um, With Brent, it was different because we had a lot of steam going in. I mean, this is a guy that I threw fire in his face last time we were in Chicago, previous to that match in New York City. All the history going back with the Hangman 3. And then, uh, of course, all the NWA history, too, going back to to September of 07. So it, it made sense. Uh, that was the whole reason why the NWA belt was even brought into Ring of Honor, because there was history there and a, and a potential to do something with Brent, who I think to some degree has also been lost in the shelf in Ring of Honor, and that's no fault of his own. Um, but yeah, that match was wrestled completely different. I, somebody told me that they thought they were that it was the 70s again, and that it was, oh, I can't remember who it was, I think it was Fred Richards, the NWA member from New York who was there, said it reminded him of, Something, something that Terry Funk and Harley Race would have done in the late 70s. And uh, I took that as a huge compliment. I mean, it was obviously a contrast in style to the rest of the Ring of Honor show. And to get the reaction it did, I, I'll be honest, it shocked us. And I know it shocked the rest of the crowd, or the crowd. It shocked the, the locker room. It shocked the office, because they all told me as much. Austin Aries came up to me. who was They were following us, and, and he said he went to, to the, uh, the bookers and said, hey, we ought to go to intermission now. There's no, we shouldn't go out there now because there's no way in hell we're going to be able to follow that. Let's just take intermission and come back with our match. It wasn't that important on the card anyway, according to Austin. And uh, Again, I took that as a huge compliment. Not that we went out there and tried to steal the show. It just sometimes things happen. Every dog has his day, guys. <laughs> there you go. And as, as far as uh, Mr. Fred uh, giving you that compliment, I have told you on the air, I've told many people to I'm blue in the face, that during your title run, it completely reminded me of Harley Race, where you'd be, you'd go in there, whether babyface heel or whatnot, you always, always delivered. You've yeah, always I try to anyway. You know, and and that's 
I'm not putting you over because you're on my show. I mean, to be honest, you're one of one of my favorite current workers, and Thanks. that's really saying something because I don't watch WWE. I don't yeah. watch TNA. So I mean, that, that's you know, it it, it carries a, a load. But um, let's, let's talk about um, Stuck Out Pro. Um, you've been tearing it up, you know. You did it again with Scorpio Sky. You're doing it again with with uh, SoCal Crazy, um, Tommy Wilson, who I personally think is the blandest guy on the planet. But you brought the shit out of Tommy Wilson. Let's talk about Tommy and your program with him. Uh, Tommy's one of those guys that I've known again for probably I don't know six or seven years. Uh, he's he's still young, you know. It's it's one of those things where he was with Rick Bassman in UPW out of LA forever. Uh, tagging with a guy who, I forget his name, but they worked as Tommy and Johnny, your bland, baby-faced tag team. They were like the dynamic dudes. They had a lot of potential. You know, Tommy's always reminded me in a weird way of uh, Kendall Wyndham, not Barry, but but Kendall. And if you go back and watch Kendall's work when he was a baby-faced, obviously he was tall and lanky and had decent fire, and that's what Tommy always kind of was. And now he's probably put on 60, 70 pounds and, and seemingly vanished off the face of the earth. But he's in San Diego. Uh, he's one of those guys that his family and friends always come out to his show. So I told Jeff Dino, I said, there's no reason not to have Tommy on the show. He knows how to work. Um, you know, he'll have some people there. And and you know what? I have seen matches with him where he's bland. And I think that I think that comes out where he's wrestling somebody that maybe he's not enthusiastic enough to be in there with. And maybe that, and I shouldn't even say that because that's probably not even true. But um I've never had that problem with Tommy. Tommy seems to always have the fire of him when he's working with me, and, and we have decent matches. That, you know, I just think it's somebody who I just hate to see him get out of wrestling before he realizes the kind of potential I think he has. And uh, thankfully, Jeff is uh, using it, so we can't go wrong there. Well, he's back, and, and you've, you've made another main eventer for SoCal Pro. So, you know, he's the legitimate main eventer now. And I guess. The, yeah. hey, that does nothing but help a company. Well, especially when, you, when you're talking about SoCal Pro, we're talking about number one limited resources. There ain't a million dollars there to fund the company. We're talking about a limited area they run in. It's one building in one town once a month. So unless you're going to spend money to, to have guys drive down from L.A., and I've seen some of the payroll numbers for SoCal Pro, and again, does, does, the, uh, does, does your situation justify the amount you're going to have to pay guys? And there are a handful of guys in San Diego that I think make more sense than having somebody drive down from L.A. and having to pay him 100 150 bucks. And, and Tommy's one of those guys. He's 15 minutes from the building. Scott Lawson is another one of those guys. He's a half hour from the building. There's no reason why he shouldn't be on every show. Um, you know, and obviously SoCal Crazy is there local, too. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys, and I wish there's another group in San Diego that runs, but they're really green, and Alex Saint is part of that promotion. And Alex is another guy that, you know, yeah, exactly. Starts getting a little bit more experience and uh, whatnot. He, they should be on Jeff's show, too, only because it makes sense monetarily. I'm not a fan of throwing all your friends on the show uh, because 90% of the time they're all the shits. But if they're local and they know how to work, you want to build your local guys and save money. I mean, it's not rocket science. So use, use the assets you have locally, and Tommy just happens to be one of those assets. Yep, I have to agree. Uh, the next SoCal Pro Wrestling show is the 13th of September. It's yep. at the Oceanside Boys and Girls Club, the same building, uh, yep. with the funny sports people on the wall. It's pretty yes. cool. It's, it, it, it's a nice venue. I like it. 
There's nothing wrong with that building. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that building. The last couple of shows, he's been having them outside next to the building, and they have like a, a I want to say indoor soccer arena, but it's obviously outdoor, but it's the same, uh, you know, AstroTurf flooring and whatnot. And when the sun goes down and the lights are on, it's it's even better, especially in the summertime when it gets a little stuffy in that building. They don't necessarily have the greatest air conditioning. It brings a different atmosphere. So I'm not sure if the next one's going to be outside or if we'll be back in that gym. Either way, it's an intimate setting. You know, you get your – you could – you could probably fit tops 300, 350 people in there. And uh, you know, that's all you really need. They're real wrestling fans that come out to enjoy real wrestling. You know, get, they don't get hopped up in how many high spots are in a match. They're there to have a good time, and they know what they're seeing going in, so it's not hard to get a reaction. And for all the boys, it's a perfect learning ground for anyone who's green or young or is looking to have a good time. So exactly. that, I love the place. I, I couldn't be happier working there once a month. Okay, so for any information on, on SoCal Pro, you can go to SoCalProWrestling.com. Um, looks like the main event will be SoCal Crazy and Tommy Wilson t- against Jason Redondo and yourself. Right. Um, this, this should be a wild match. Um, you've had great matches all year with Tommy Wilson, a couple of them. Uh, really good matches with SoCal Crazy. Um, let, let's talk about this tag match. Um, sure. What, what do you think of Jason Redondo? Jason Redondo is one of those guys who uh, gets it done. I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. You, another, again, we're talking local commodity, serviceable heel. More than anything, he gets a reaction out of the people. He knows what he's doing. He's not flashy. He's not going to shock you with any amazing high spots, or he's not going to get on a microphone and you know, ram, rattle off a 30-minute soliloquy and you're going to be mesmerized by it. He just knows how to work. So he gets in there, he's going to do his couple things, get heat, and get out of there. And, and, and really, that's all you can really ask for. The whole purpose of this match is that the manager for Jason, uh, TNT, has been putting SoCal crazy uh, through hell, basically. SoCal crazy is vying for a shot at the SoCal pro heavyweight belt. And in order for him to get that opportunity, because they've had a couple of matches that he's lost to Jason Redondo, in order for him to get another shot, he's going to have to run this gauntlet. So for the past three or four shows, he's been going up against people that TNT has handpicked. And uh, by the skin of his teeth, so-called crazy, has beaten these people. And now it's down to the last leg of the gauntlet. Uh, TNT has decided that if he's going to get a shot at the belt, he's going to have to go through the two toughest people in SoCal Pro, which would be myself and Redondo. And if SoCal Crazy can win the match, if his team can win the match, he'll get a shot at the belt. And so that's where we're at. And uh, just throwing Tommy Wilson in there, it, it makes sense after him and I have had a couple of knockdown dragout brawls the last couple of shows. And uh, he saved SoCal Crazy a couple times as well. So they're uh, newfound fast friends there in the area. So it's time to, I guess, whip both of their asses at the same time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All in one. All in one. You know, the, the first time I saw Jason Redondo was in '94, up okay. here in a show in San Jose, which mm-hmm. was put on by Ron Head and J.R. Benson, and the wow. main event was Sabu against Chris Candido in a ladder match, and that match is it's legendary. Um, and Michael Modest was on the show. Uh, he worked Mike Diamond, and uh, you know we were. Jeff and myself, we were filming a shoot interview with Michael Modest at Mike's house, and we were in the garage uh, doing whatever we were doing, and uh, we saw the event poster, 
and and Jeff saw the name Jeff Redondo or uh, Jason Redondo. I was like, yep, Jason was on that show. And yeah. you know, it, it's amazing that you know that was '94. He's been in yeah. This people don't think for, about it. He's he's around forever. Yeah, really. He's been he's around really literally around. forever. And 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 you know what? Outside of wrestling, you couldn't ask for a nicer guy. Could not ask for a nicer guy. His son comes to every show, and uh, they hang out. And his son would always bring the uh, the TNA replica, a little toy NWA belt that they put out when they still had the NWA belts. He'd be like, "Hey, look, I have the same belt and this and that." So it's always a good time. And yeah, I love Jason. Jason's a good cat. He's a good cat, and any any he, uh, he gets done when he needs to get done. He knows how to do business in there. Like I said, he's not going to knock you out with any flashiness, but you know, for a heel on on a local promotion. You know, there you go. I mean, there's, you can't really ask for much more. There you go. Yeah, you see solid. solid. That's it. That's a perfect word, solid. Solid. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, uh, we also uh, filmed a shoot interview with the Ballard Brothers. Um, oh, boy, that had to be fun. Oh, man. I mean, you know, other than me asking, you know, some wacky questions, they had the whole brother thing bouncing off each other, and it it was just insane. Um, what, what are your feelings on Shane and Shannon? Well, my feelings first and foremost on the Ballards is that one of them obviously works out and the other obviously has AIDS. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hilarious when you look at them. Number one, they're Canadian, so you can't really, I mean, you can't fault them for that, but you, re- you can really if you want to. Um, seriously, I've known the Ballards for, since I've lived in California, and even if you don't like tag team wrestling, or even if you don't like their brand of tag team wrestling, if you're not entertained by the Ballard Brothers, both in the wrestling match itself and the locker room, then you have absolutely no sense of humor. None. I could sit and listen to the Ballards talk all day long. And everyone likes to give the Ballards shit, and they give it back, which is hilarious. They've been around so long. I worked a PWG show probably in, I don't know, '04 when Shannon worked Samoa Joe, and I don't even remember what the what the whole storyline was, but Joe ended up knocking him out with a kick to the face legitimately and knocking his tooth out. And uh, when he woke up, you know, he didn't know where the fuck he was, obviously. And I just remember the look on his face and him missing a tooth. And I, for some, none of us, I mean, it's shitty to say, but it, w- it was hilarious to the point where everyone's just like, wow, one of the ballers just got knocked the fuck out. And we didn't feel any remorse for it. He's one of the Ballards. They're like they're like your brothers, you know. They're like your brothers that are always talking shit and always having a good time. And uh, the day they quit wrestling will be a sad day, that's for sure. And they're they're an absolute treat to have on the SoCal Pro shows. Going back to SoCal Pro, veteran team, know how to work, not short on ideas or creativity. Um, veterans, veterans, you know, if you. If you have a match that you've got two younger guys there and you're struggling to come up with a finish for them, you hand them off to Shane and Shannon. They'll put their whole match together for them in, in five minutes. I mean, they're, they're they're that kind of you know asset in a locker room. And uh, it's funny, you know, anytime going to, somebody's going to take a dump, it's not uncommon to hear them say, "I'll be right back. I'm going to, to go take a Ballard." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it was. It was just a, my pleasure to sit down for five hours with these guys and, and film this shoot. Um, it was just just amazing because I followed them since geez ninety eight. You know, since sure. they pretty much broke in and you know, and the, the, I don't think see they don't get the respect that that they deserve. No, um, I agree with you. I mean, you know, to be honest, they could have been in the in the Fed in ninety eight doing the thing with Edge, Christian, the Dudleys. You know, they had that type of talent. You know, exactly. where they could be with the Hardys and, 
and doing that. Um, they could have extended that whole story for another year and a half if they brought in Shannon Shannon, and they knew about them. So, yep. I mean, it wasn't a secret. You know, no, the ballots were working. I mean, at that time, you know, 98, 99, 2000, even into 2001, they were working everywhere. They were everywhere. I mean, they were working in the Midwest before I moved. So they weren't common to traveling. I know they worked Japan, do a bunch of times, and and uh, I don't know. I just don't know why they don't. They're not out there as much as they used to. Again, I mean, I I I, I go back to to and and not wanting to piss any quote unquote promoters off, but it's just the way that I feel. I feel that ninety. It's hard to put a number on it, but I'll just say for for shits and giggles, ninety percent of the promoters out there. Have no no idea nor any business promoting wrestling shows. If, if you find a promoter to me that says that the Ballards are the shits, I will tell you that that promoter doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. So I think the Ballards work a certain way uh, that maybe isn't the same as what the new hot way to work matches are, and because of that, they're automatically quote unquote the shits. Which, you know, I fall on the same line. I don't work a certain way, and because I don't work a certain way, then, uh, you know, they're boring, or the, they're terrible wrestlers, and I think it's just really unfair, unfortunately. But that's just the way it is now, you know. They've been doing things the way they've been doing them since they've been started doing them, and they're not going to change them just to, to, to uh, you know, pick up little frivolous bookings, you know, from from niche promoters who who really don't know wrestling and wouldn't know wrestling if it slapped them in the face. So I think that's part of the problem, unfortunately. But again, times change, and uh, the happy drop you on your head, do a thousand high spots, and don't sell one of them way of working a wrestling match won't be the end way to do it for long, at least not by my experience. So if the Ballards want to and they want to hang out, I'm sure in you know another year or two or three they'll. Uh, They'll see those bookings come back that they're missing out on today. Well, they they they're pretty much they work when they want and where they want. They're up yeah. here in Northern California every other month for Kirk White. Uh, they're right. going to be up here on the 19th um, next month, and you know it's going to be a pleasure to sit down and have dinner with them. And you know it's it's going to be you know it, it's they they work for Jeff. They work for SoCal Pro once a month. They work for yep. Big Time Wrestling up here every other month. You know they work when they want. And yeah. it's you know I mean because they have their outside businesses and whatnot, but sure. you know they're they're still doing it for the love, the love of the business, and That's they it. usually they usually uh, bring uh, Evangelic and Johnny Goodtime, who who uh, they train Johnny Goodtime, and they right. usually work with him. Um, he's solid. Johnny love is him. solid. Love he's, him. Yeah. Absolutely love him. I think there's money there. Uh, again, he's a little wet behind the ears, as they say. But as far as in-ring talent and having a personality and being able to connect to a crowd and having that unteachable charisma, he's got it. He's got to stay in the right people's ears. You know, I'd hate to see him go down a path that, again, would would see him forget all of that part of his game and concentrate on spots because it's so common today. Um, And you know what? You may never see a Johnny Goodtime in Ring of Honor because of that, but he's better for that, I think, in the long run. I really do. Yeah, I really, I really do. Yeah. And the the thing is, the the Ballards don't let his head get too big. You know, That's it. The, the kid's humble, and you know he knows where he comes from. You know, he you know he 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 owes pretty much everything to Jeff Dino because Jeff's been booking him, you know, since the beginning of SoCal right. Pro, and it's just you know the 
that, that I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about Johnny. And no, God, no. And if they do, they again, if, if anybody who has, I'll, I'll say it like I said for the Ballards, anybody who will look at Johnny Goodtime and say he's the shits absolutely doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. It has no concept of what actual wrestling talent is. Because I see him as pretty much a can't miss, you know. He's in good shape. He's got a good look, unique enough in, in the way of, of today's wrestler. Looks the part, you know. You could put him in there against pretty much any kind of heel, and he's going to get a favorable reaction because of his charisma and the way that he comes off, especially to kids. And uh, th- there's a room for a guy like that in every show. I don't care what the promotion is. There's room for a guy like that on every single show, period. And uh, I'd like to see more people take advantage of it. Hey, when I came on the line, you guys seemed like you are in the middle of a conversation. I caught the tail end of it, something about NWA versus ROH, and somebody said I, they wish I would stop doing ROH or whatever. Yes. I said that, to be honest, I don't like your work in ROH. Okay. And I'm, I've seen your work outside of ROH, and they're completely different. And I compared you to Jerry Lawler in the 70s and 80s where okay. he was the babyface in Memphis and he was a heel everywhere else. Right. He worked differently everywhere else. And to be honest, Adam, I would like that and I would like to see the NWA running every weekend. But oh, that's shit, just, so would I. <laughs> you know, honestly. But now that you had the good match, the great match with, with Nigel and the great match with, with Brent, maybe, you know, they'll push you up to the next level to um, make you more of a serious character. Well, I look at it. I look at it like this. So, so it's it's you don't like the shtick they have me doing in ROH. And you say you don't like my work. What do you mean by that? The 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 shtick, the shtick, the shtick. Just the 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 stories and you know the sweet and sour and then the Hangman Three thing. It's it's I don't know. I mean, I I'd rather see you go in and grind for twenty minutes as opposed to doing the 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 goofy shit with with Sweeney. Sure. Okay. Oh, I get that. Well, I understand that. But you got to remember too I'm, I'm is that I'm, I'm a purist. You know, well, I, I get really, it. You know, I I I don't want to come off like I'm dissing you or insulting you. No, you're no. not. You're not at all because I, you know, there are many a day that I 100% agree with you. Um, you got to remember, we're all. It's it's not like it's. Uh, it's not like it's an NWA show where I pretty much go in and write my ticket and do what I want to do. You know, all of us in Ring of Honor are there to fill a role that's predetermined for you by the bookers. So the best thing that we can do is to go in there and do precisely what we're told because as as it's supposed to work, the the matchmakers and the bookers and those that are in charge of the creative are the ones who are in tune with what they believe their audience wants to see. And so... Far be it for me, I'm not going to go into anybody's backyard uh, and tell them that I think their booking is stupid or this guy could be used in this better way and you're not taking advantage of this guy's talent in this way. Like, I wouldn't do that. And because uh, it's flat out disrespectful to, to the bookers of, of any company. And, and speaking about ROH, it's Gabe Sapolsky, who I happen to respect a great deal and actually like. Uh, I'm not going to tell him that I think his booking is the shits and he should change it. Why would I do that? Um, I've been known to open my mouth and say things that other guys probably wouldn't, but that's because there's two reasons for that. One, I don't care, 
I mean, if, if you don't like what I'm saying, you know, we can discuss it and whatnot. And two, I understand what my job in Ring of Honor is. My job in Ring of Honor is not to go out there and be in the main event and put on 25 to 30-minute matches because bottom line is the I don't think that the company feels like my kind of 25 to 30-minute matches will sell DVDs. Is that true? I, I don't know. I don't know that that's true. I guess it depends how well the uh, the match with Brent from New York City is received. The people who were there live and reported on it all seem to have reacted to it favorably, which, like I said, I think shocked a lot of people, including the office. Now, whether or not that's going to translate into a different kind of usage for me, I don't know. Um, I'll, I can tell you this. I have a hell of a great time doing what I do in Ring of Honor, and if that's how the company wants to use me, I have absolutely no aversion to it whatsoever. Above and beyond all else, I'm a professional wrestler. I'm paid for what I do. I'm not in charge with creative. I do what I'm told. Now, if people shit on me because of that, well, then that's just being short-sighted because, again, like I said, we all do exactly what we're told to do. And I think people don't really think about that when they're watching a show. They just think, oh, this guy sucks for this reason, and that guy's great. And they don't realize that we're all out there doing exactly what we're told to do. So Now, first off, I, Adam, I, Adam, I didn't want to come off as disrespectful. Oh, no, you didn't. No, not at all. I've had this conversation 100,000 times with 100,000 people. Okay, cool. I just and, wanted to and, make sure that, you know, I don't burn a bridge here or, you know, because – Oh, God, I, no. I mean, Are you I, kidding me? I, Okay, okay, cool. No, not at all, man, not at all. I don't mind talking about it. People are always afraid to ask about it because they think they're going to insult me in some way. And it's it's not even about that. It's just, you know, people don't realize that when you're working in a uh, – I mean, let's just say for this. Do you think CM Punk, who I've known since he started in wrestling, is going to go to Vince McMahon and tell him that he doesn't want to do what the main event is at SummerSlam because he thinks it's stupid? No, no way. Of course not. He's going to go out there, do his job, do what he's told, and collect his pay. And there's a certain school of thought that says if you're a guy who doesn't do that, then you're a mark for yourself, and you're trying to get yourself over. But it's not about that. It's about putting the show over. And so if I need to go out there and do Gaga for eight minutes, I'll go out there and do Gaga for eight minutes. It just so happens over the last 18 months or so, I've done more Gaga for eight minutes than serious wrestling for 20. And depending upon your taste, that's either good or bad. Obviously, you've seen me do some other stuff, and so you'd like to see me do that kind of stuff in a ring of honor in front of a bigger audience. And uh, I did in New York on the, on the 2nd of August, and, and it got over like a million bucks. So, again, whether or not that translates into a different style of booking for me, or for Brent for that matter, who knows? But that's, that's not a decision for either of us to make quite frankly. And I'm not offended at all, dude. We could talk. We're just talking wrestling. That's all we're doing. Awesome. Well, see, You're not going to piss me off with questions like that. I, I, Be critical I, if you want. It's fine. I, I pictured you working for ROH in 2002 when they first started, where you would have fit better into that, where it was more, more wrestling-oriented as opposed to story. And okay. I, I think you would have been pretty good in that main event mix that they had then with uh, Danielson, Loki, uh, Spanky, I think you would have meshed better in 2002 and 2003. 
but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I get you. Um, I get you. You know, I'm I'm not high on the ROH product now. Um, I prefer the the older O2 O3 stuff, where it was more of that. Let's go out and and work as opposed to you know having to you know do storylines and and all this. Now I understand that companies evolve. I understand that. Right. You know, and Gabe's evolved as a booker as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, you got to think about it. The, the the goal for Ring of Honor going forward is not to stay the same way it is. I mean, we, we if you're going to have any viable business, and the owner of Ring of Honor is Kerry Silken, let's just say it's me or you, and we're putting up our money, a considerable amount of money to run these shows, the majority of which lose thousands of dollars on the live gate, hoping that your DVD sales on the back end make up for it. Thankfully, they have for, you know, how long have they been around? Six years? But is that really an economically viable company? Can you say that you have a bona fide, steadfast payday coming on every show? No, you can't. And all it really takes, and we've seen this on the NWA circuit with the hurricane that blew through Texas, you know, a few short weeks ago. All it takes is for something bad to happen to a couple shows, and you've got thousands of dollars invested in tickets, plane tickets, uh, hotels, the expenses that come along with that. We're talking rental cars. I mean, all it would take is for them to lose two or three shows, and I would not be surprised to see Carrie say, you know what, I've spent too much money. So in order to kind of get away from that, that peril, as it were, you've got to do one of two things. You've got to find new fans to sell your product to, because I think Ring of Honor's niche fan base is pretty much tapped out at this point. And I think that if you talk to the office, they would agree with you. That they've stretched uh, that fan base as big as they can get it. Now they have to acquire new fans. Well, how are you going to do that? You're going to apply to, you're going to try and apply yourself to the mainstream wrestling fan, which is the whole purpose behind running WrestleMania weekend in every town that the WWE is in every year, to try and pick up new fans. Or two, you're going to find television. Either way you look at it, we're not talking about an easy proposition. So, um, I mean, that's the whole reason for, for going out there and doing more story-driven things and finding personalities who are able to talk because you are not going to put, in this day and age, with the way today's wrestling public is, you're not going to put an hour television program with 50 minutes of straight wrestling on it and expect to sell advertising dollars. And that's the key to television. It's not the fact that you're on TV and you're trying to use that as an avenue to sell tickets to your house shows or live events in that area, you want to sell advertisers on sponsoring your program because that's where the real money comes from. And I can tell you right now from dealing with corporate sponsorship on the NWA side, there is no way in hell you're going to put on, and no offense to anybody, but I'll just throw two names out there. Let's say it's Brian Danielson versus Tyler Black, and they have a 45-minute classic, which, which they're both capable of doing and have done. If I put that on, for an executive from Coca-Cola companies trying to get them to give me money, they're going to sit there bored out of their fucking mind. No doubt about it in my agree. mind. I have to agree with you on that. And they're going to say, where's the pizzazz? Because you've got to think about it. All they know is McMahon television. For the last 20 years, I mean, if they're if you're lucky, maybe you get a wrestling fan who remembers the Crockett days, who remembers world-class, who remembers Mid-South Wrestling and understands all that. But if you're not, and all you get is somebody who knows Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and Girls with Big Tits and Fireworks 
and interview segments and hullabaloo, what are they going to what are they going to invest money in? The known commodity, the known product, and uh, that's just the way it is in today's in today's business, and it's not fun, not fun at all. Because you could go out there, like I said, I mean, you could have, I mean, I'm sure you could put the match that me and Brent had from New York City, and, and, and you'd have the same problem trying to sell that to advertisers. Where's the sparkle in this? Oh, both guys are bleeding. I understand that. We can't, we can't invest money in that, you know. It's more about, you know, without question, I think Larry Sweeney sells before Brian Danielson does, and that's not a knock on anybody. I just think that's the reality of the situation. And again, that's my opinion. That could be 100% wrong, but that's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. Now, and I think that's why the company the, moved in the direction it has. Was the the match with Brent was that taped for pay per view? Uh, I don't think that was taped for the pay per view. I know that uh, we taped interview segments for the pay per view. As far as I'm aware, and I don't have 100% confirmation, but I'm pretty sure that the pay-per-view is going to showcase the build-up of, you know, showing like the fireball and kind of the the leading up to the match at the Hammerstein. And I think that's a straight DVD release, which, you know, which which whatever clever. That's, I have no problem with that. I know that will both appear on the pay-per-view, but I don't think it's in a wrestling capacity. Okay. Um, now, you didn't appear in the show in Toronto. Um, may I ask I, why? I was booked in Texas. Ah. I was booked in Texas. That was the weekend that the hurricane blew through. So we were supposed to be on NWA shows in Houston on the, I believe it was the 25th of July, and McAllen, Texas on the 26th. And uh, the wonderful hurricane came through and fucked that all up. So not only did I miss out on Ring of Honor, but I also missed out on those paydays as well, which is kind of why I brought up the whole uh, money issues that could happen to a smaller promotion like the NWA is now or like Ring of Honor is because all it takes is really one big natural disaster. Fortunately, it's not like we're we're not going to go back to those markets and have those shows. It's just kind of, you know, picking up the pieces. Houston was doable that weekend. Uh, the weather was the shits, which is good or bad depending upon your point of view, but it didn't make sense monetarily to, to fly everybody in. And we're talking Sid Vicious, Sean Waltman, Blue Demon, Santo. I mean, we're we're not talking about cheap talent coming in. And obviously, our business, meaning the NWA pro business, isn't driven on DVD sales like the Ring of Honor business is. It's it's a kind of a different model. We work on on sold shows and whatnot. And obviously, with that, when a building like in McAllen, Texas, for for instance, we were sponsored by the Univision channel there and the building. So both Univision and the building paid for the show. The building in McAllen was the only uh, facility in the area big enough to house people should they become evacuated, kind of like how New Orleans was. They all went to the Superdome. If the government, the local government and authorities there deemed that people had to be evacuated due to flooding or, or sewer backups or whatever the case may be, cleanup, et cetera, they were going to have to go to that building. And so they made the decision four days out to postpone the show for that reason. I don't think there was a large number of people that ended up being evacuated. Uh, I don't no. think there was... I mean, the flooding was, was bad, but last I heard, there was $750 million worth of damage in that area, which is no you know small uh, penny in the pot, but uh, we'll go back there. So yeah, that's why I wasn't on Toronto or Detroit for that reason. I was supposed to be in Texas, and then that all got fucked up, so I ended up staying home. Yeah, you know, it kind of stinks. Um I was putting you over to my younger brother who lives in Houston, and he mm-hmm. planned on going to the show. 
and I said, you have to go see Adam. You have to go see him. You have to see this guy live. You know, it's going to be a throwback to, you know, us at Super Clash 2 at the Cow Palace. You know, yeah. it, it, it's going to throw you back. And then I heard about that. I was like, damn it. You know, they, they canceled the shows. My brother's going to miss you. You know, and it, it it's, you know, God bless the people there. And, you know, they, they got really lucky. We didn't have a, you know, a, a, a remake of... Uh, of Katrina, you know. It, yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, tell your brother man. too, brother. Uh, on Sunday we'll be in San Antonio, so I don't know how far of a drive that is from Houston. But on Sunday at 3 p.m. at the Freeman Coliseum, the NWA will be in San Antonio this weekend. Cool. Who are you working? I am working one of my oldest and dearest friends and mentors, Ace Steel, who will be in for Sexy. the show. Sexy Ace will be in, and uh, it's going to be good times. People ask me, you know, who are my, some of my favorite guys to work, and Ace is one of those guys where you don't have to call a damn thing, just get in the ring. And mm. uh, we'll see. I haven't actually I haven't, I haven't seen Ace since he signed with WWE and then got subsequently released, so it'll it'll be different. He told you, I was talking to him the other day, he said, well, I'm fat because I haven't been working out since I got released. I said, well, you're fat, I'm fat, we'll be fat together and have a fat match. How's that sound? <laughs> and he said, that sounds yeah. like fun. And I said, well, make sure they fly in on Saturday so we can go to the bar and get all fucked up. <laughs> you know, Ace Ace has, has some of the best facials in the business. You know, No doubt. Eagle and just, you know, with that deranged look, you know, when he snaps, it just looks fucking crazy. Yeah, and yeah I, I love Ace. Ace. You know, and, and I was really surprised that when – when ROH first brought in the Second City Saints, that they didn't bring you in, I was just—I kept waiting for you to be the mystery mystery partner to come in. To come in, you would have been the fourth piece of the puzzle, you know. And it—you know—things would have—you know—the whole prophecy feud would have been really, really good. So then you can do the the eight man elimination, you know, all this. Sure. Uh, you know why? Why didn't Gabe bring you in at that time? Money. Oh, okay. So Money. It was just strictly money okay it was strictly from what i understand and of course anybody can lie to your face but you got to remember at that time uh that would have been what 2003 2004 am i right on my time frame there mm-hmm. yes sir uh ring of honor it, it, i think people and i'll say it again i think people have a misconception as to actually how much money a company has or how much the workers get paid etc but there was really, at that point, if you go back and look at those cards, you'd be surprised to know how many people weren't being flown in and how many people were actually driving to all those events. So at that I point, for me, was, a plane ticket. It was Dragon and Joe, I think, were the only two fly-ins, yep. if I remember yeah. right. So the the odds of me getting a plane ticket from San Diego at that time were, were right. none and none. So And, of course, I'm not going to drive across the country. It just doesn't make any sense for the amount of money that I would have made. So that right there in a nutshell answers your question. Mm-hmm. That, as I understand it, was the bottom line. There you go. I mean, it, because you would have fit, you know, like uh, another piece of the puzzle into that thing. Um, yeah, it would have made it would have made perfect sense. I totally agree with you. But again, you know, what are you going to do? You, you're dealing with, uh, you know, it's not even politics. It's 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 finances. That's the way it is. That's just the way it is, man. I mean, you know, no harm, no foul. I was kind of doing my own thing anyway, and whatever. It would have been fun. You know, it just happened a couple of years too late. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. That's it. Okay, I'm uh, I'm going through the ROH results here, and uh, you were in the ring a few times with Delirious. Now sure I love D. I love that guy to death. He is just an amazing talent. 
Um, wh- wh- what do you think of him? You know, working with him in the ring. Love him. He's a night off, which uh, is a hell of a compliment, as anyone who's been around for a while will tell you. Working with Delirious is, at this point, you know, I've worked him so many times again. I wouldn't really have to call anything with him. I just think it sucks. And uh, I I grew up in Chicago, love Chicago. I fucking hate the Chicago wrestling fans. Actually, I'll take that back. I hate the Chicago Ring of Honor fans. They're starting to grow on me a little bit more now. But, uh, again, when you're fed a certain kind of product, the fans, I think, inevitably are going to get jaded and uh, take it for granted. And... I wish we would have had a better crowd for our, our big blow-off, which was a dog-collar match, um, because I loved the match, and I know he loved the match, and uh, it wasn't as received as well as either one of us would have liked, unfortunately. The live crowd always reacts a certain way, and then you, you end up getting emailed, or you see on the uh, the website people are shitting on it, um, which I always say that the Internet fan who goes on there and quarterbacks a show is the unfortunately, extremely vocal minority in most cases. And uh, it just sucks, man. I, I, I have the DVD of the match, and I'm like, what is wrong with this match? What is What, Absolutely what did they nothing. want us to do? Did they want us to, to literally kill ourselves out there? I just don't get it. You know. You, and then I thought about it, and a couple months previous, they were hanging you know, Jay Briscoe, or was it Mark, I forget, from the ceiling with his head chopped open and bleeding all over Jimmy Jacobs while he's swallowing the blood. And I'm thinking, then I said to myself, well, no wonder the fucking thing didn't get over. They literally nearly killed someone the month before. So we're just just a, a product, I think, of bad timing in the wrong building to have that match in. But uh, I love working with Delirious. And it'll be interesting to see what his uh, new direction is now that he's in aligned with the age of the fall and and trying to work a, a heel character, which is different for him. And uh, I think it was the right time. I think the fan base had, had been seeing the lovable, retarded Delirious for so long that it was kind of a, a whatever, uh, yeah, which is unfortunate for him because of the amount of time that he invested in honing that character and getting it uh, you know, fine-tuned the way he had, and now he's got to work heel. And we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how well he takes to it. I know that it... Uh, it's different for him. It's new for him, so we'll have to see if he likes it and if he excels at it. But the only time will tell. Well, we'll we'll see when he turns back. You know, he'll he'll just be a monster baby when he turns back. Yeah, that's um, inevitable, I'm sure. Well, he's just how how can you not like him? I know. Oh, really? I agree. How, how can you? You know, he's so wacky, he's so goofy, but then he can also get down and grind, and you know, he can do his thing. Right. Um, just, just amazing. Um, well, let, let's talk about another friend of yours who's been uh, tearing up rings in New Japan, the Machine Gun, Carl Anderson. God you know, bless him. I've been, I've been trying to get Carl on the show, but the son of a bitch won't stay in this country long enough. Hey, man, you know what? You got to go where the money is. Unfortunately, he and he, we all tried, we all tried to get him a Jabba Ring of Honor, and. Uh, I think to a certain degree, a lot of it had to do with, again, another West Coast flight, which are not cheap if you've been paying attention to the economy at all. You know, As a matter of fact, I've been waiting for the time that I get pulled in and said, hey, we just can't afford your flights anymore. And I would totally understand that. Um, I think that he fell victim to that. Same thing with Human Tornado. Uh, they were all set to, to bring in Tornado, and uh, then he ended up hurting himself. But uh, the machine gun, man, we're talking about literal charisma. I mean, he is charisma. There's, there's. He reminds me a lot of Colt Cabana. Um, 
in that he's just a goofy motherfucker to begin with. So lovable. I think he would, in the right frame, uh, uh, the right booking, the right promotion would be a huge baby face. Uh, we've been lucky enough to have him in the NWA working heel when he was tagging with Joey Ryan, and they made a hell of a team. I mean, it was one of those things that was kind of thrown together, and it just worked. And every setting that it, that we put him in, it was perfect. And uh, he was lucky enough to get a – he got a uh, – I think it was a three-month deal with New Japan, and they liked him, so they they extended him for a year. And so now he's making, you know, I would say legitimate money wrestling. It's unfortunate they asked to go halfway around the world to do it. And I know that he would rather be home. Um, but, you know, he's living the dream, man. And, he, and, again, he's in a situation where it's not hard for him. They put, they tell him exactly what they want him to do. He goes out and does it and collects his check at the end of the week. And, and at the end of the day, he can say he's making a living as a professional wrestler. And, and it, there's so very few of us now that can do that and be proud of it. And he's one of them. And uh, yeah, if you when when you get him back in the states, well, when I know he's back in L.A., I'll I'll make sure I bug him and try and get him get him to do your show. Well, I, I have him confirmed for the middle of September. Beautiful. So I, I got him. I got him. I, I I have to I have to ask him. You know how stiff is Kanemoto? I I have to know, just um, because that was the first match of his from from New Japan that actually surfaced. Here in the States. I bet he would tell you, Casey, I bet he would tell you not nearly as stiff as you think he is. No. Kanemoto is just a, an amazing talent. How about yeah, you? Why, why are you not going on a tour in Japan? Are, are you going to go uh, work these shows for ROH in Japan? No, God, no. Are you kidding me? Why would, why would, that, why would I be flown to Japan to do eight minutes of Gaga? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. No, I'm not going. Uh, there's there's still talks with New Japan. If you've had any, and I was I worked for New Japan in 2005, so I've, it's not like I've never been to Japan. I have, and I hate the flight, but I would go if the money's right. And it's just one of those things where if you've dealt with New Japan or All Japan or Noah for that matter, it's like being in the fucking military. Hurry up and wait. So you get everything that they want, and you put together, you know what they're looking for as far as your your promo package and they come up with a storyline for you and then nothing happens. And the same thing was happened with Carl. He was all set to go three years ago. I think it was three years he waited before they finally said, oh, oh yeah, we, we, we told you we were going to bring you over. And so they did. And I remember when he first went, he was like, I got a call out of the blue from Tiger Atori saying that they were ready to bring me over and he thought it was a rib because he – put it in the back of his mind that New Japan didn't want to use him because it had been almost three years since he was talking to him. <laughs> Just kind of how it works over there. They pick and choose the guy, Jim, and then they kind of sit on their hands until someone realizes, hey, we don't have any American talent on this tour. And then they go back and look at the people they've offered tours to her and say, oh, shit, we haven't fucked him. We fucked him. We fucked him. We should probably bring him in. So <laughs> I'm sure at some point I'll go back. You know, it's it's not on my uh, it's it's not on my short list by any means because that's, again, out of my hands. Yeah, I, but I'll tell you where it will be, and that'll be in Mexico on the 30th. I'll be in Mexico City on the 30th, getting my rematch with Brent Albright. So for uh, NWA Mexico, with for the NWA Mexico, the uh, wonderful, is, uh, legendary Blue Demon, Demon Junior. Yeah, man, you got it. Yeah, that's cool. You get to work Mexico. What building are they running? Do you know? Oh God, uh, <clears throat> I don't even know what the hell the name of it is, and I probably couldn't pronounce it if I. If I even could, it is, uh, it is in I Mexico know it's, City, though. It is in Mexico City. 
And as we talk, I'm trying to scour the Internet to find it. Now, um, Mr. Marquez needs to bring his world-famous handheld camera and film it, please. Uh, you know what? I think they're going to have a pro crew on. Demon knows what he's doing. And he's got uh, he's got a I mean it's got an awesome crew that's working the show. I know Santos on and in the main event. And I think it's a big eight man if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it should be a, it should be a hell of a time. He's doing things a little bit different um, in that he's trying to I don't want to say bring the American style of wrestling down there, but that's essentially what he's trying to do. And it's going to be yeah. interesting. To, it's going to be you know you know one fall matches that type of thing. Um, as opposed to the, the the two out of three falls, and uh, he wants uh, doesn't want so much spot 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 spot. He wants heel baby face, which I don't think is going to be hard to pull off. The building is, and I said I would try. Here we go. Gimnasio Juan de la Barrera del Distrito Federal. From my understanding, it holds about five thousand. Mm, good. And start. I don't know. Yeah, it should be uh, it should be good. The main event on that is Demon. Santo and Ryo de Alisco Jr. facing El Dandy, Fuerza Guerrero, and Hijo del Solitario. Oh, that's money. So, that is money. Dandy and, so, and there's <laughs> Mascara Sagrada's on the show, Incognito, Magno, Octagoncito, Piratita Morgan, and then uh, two unknown Americans, Brent Albright and myself, which should be Tremendous. fun. It should be like fun. The, the be furthest south I've gone is Tijuana. I worked there a bunch of times in 04 and 05 doing the uh, the heel American gimmick, so this will be kind of a different, I'll be the heel American, but this time facing an American, so we'll see who gets over. We'll we'll find out. Should be good either way. Yeah, I've, I've seen that Tijuana footage. Yeah, that's fun. Fun yeah, stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of, I'm really surprised that they, they don't bring down the gringos anymore. Just, well, actually, you know what, it's not, though, because, the, you know, it's been a war zone in the streets of Tijuana lately, so. Yeah. I was just gonna say you'd be hard you'd be hard pressed to find guys willing to go down there for the money that they offer to start out, mm-hmm. considering the situation down there too. You know, Demon actually wanted to fly me out of Tijuana to Mexico City because it was like three hundred bucks cheaper for the air fare, and I told him I wouldn't do it. No way. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna take a cab to that airport, and I mean, who the hell knows, you know? And of course, we could all be out overthinking the situation, but I just assume get on a plane here in San Diego and. And make him pay three hundred bucks more. You know what I mean? No offense to him, he can afford it. There you go. Um, I know what he gets paid on the NWA of, uh, shows. Speaking of lucha, um, the uh, days after that that Jeff runs SoCal Pro, um, Oscar for LLII runs lucha shows up up in Oceanside. Um, yeah. What, what do you think of working for Oscar? You know, I've had talks with Oscar here and there, and. Uh, I just don't think, and he uses some of the, 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 the uh, I don't want to say younger guys, but some of the less experienced American guys on his show. And I think for Oscar, it literally comes down to dollars and cents. You know, and why would he pay me what I charge when he could, you know, pay someone else to do, do that shtick and pay him 40 bucks? You know what I mean? So it's no hard feelings to Oscar. He's trying to make a buck like any of us are. I just think it really comes down to dollars and cents because the people that come to those shows are coming to see Lucha, and uh, the, you know, very few, I would say, if any, would know who I am to begin with. So I'm not sure it's worth that investment for him. Now, long term, of course, it would it would be worth it because I know I'd get over. Um, but you know, I don't. I'm not sure that Oscar looks that far ahead as far as his booking goes to really worry about that and make that investment. 
But no, I mean, if he called me and said, "Hey, I got a spot open, and I'm willing to pay you what you need," I'd do it in a heartbeat because I know it'd be fun. Yeah, well, I'd I'd love to see you headlining one of the shows against Ray Senior. Um, That'd be easy. That'd be easy money. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I would I would pretty much guarantee a riot. It'd be awesome. Just, It'd be. I like Ray Senior. You know, Ray Senior was good for for us on the NWA Pro shows, especially in our tours of Texas. I mean, he's always got gotten over, and it, and you know what? He's not 20 years old, and he busts his ass. He can still do it. Absolutely. You know, either the technical stuff, or even you want to get the Tijuana blood and guts, he can still do that too. Yep, you know, and, and you know what? He's going to give the people a show every time out there. I think even the the main event of our first uh, Vegas show, the uh, the Copa de Lucha, he was in there. You know, it was uh, if I remember right, it was a six man tag, and he was in there with Santo and L.A. Park and uh, Demon, and and they tore the house down. They tore the house down in Vegas. I mean, really, really, literally, I think exceeded everyone's expectations, and. Uh, he was doing his planches and shit off the top to the floor and just really, really putting it out there for the people and leaving it all in the ring. And, and you can't ask for more than that from anybody, especially someone who's, you know, pushing 50 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, for that's his admirable. Price, for, for his price, I know what he gets. And he puts in the work every for every cent that he charges. Absolutely. And, you know, and he can still pop a house. Absolutely. Whether it's the name or whatever, you know you're going to get a good match with, with Senior. And Eo, Eo, don't even get me started. The kid's maybe 20. Maybe 20. And that kid is going to be good. Absolutely. Um, you know, his shoot son, Eo, uh, Ray Mysterio, he is good as long as he can stay healthy and, you know, not, not do so much of the flying and, you know, but... See, he's he's learning from Ray Jr.'s mistakes. You know, Ray Jr. Yep. now can barely walk. You know, and it's That's a right. shame. You know, and um, it's it's just you know, Ray Senior is just an amazing talent. And I keep I keep bugging Jeff. I'm all Jeff. I don't care what Oscar says. Bring your video camera. Bring your video camera, because that stuff sells. People love. Does Oscar Ray not want to? Oscar doesn't film his shows or what? No. Uh. Uh-uh. That's stupid. No. That's just being short-sighted. I mean, the shelf life for wrestling, as we've seen with with the DVDs that McMahon has put out, it's it's unlimited. It really is. It's unlimited. He's yeah, That's just that's just being stupid. That's just being lazy. Yeah, it's you know because everything should be filmed because you never know. You that's never right. know when you're going to get that one match. You know that that's absolutely that clip. right. You know, you know, especially Oscar. Oscar uses a lot of young talent, um, both Mexican and American. You know, he right. uses a lot of younger luchadors too, because you never know when you're going to get a match of the year. You never know when you're going to, you know, something's going to happen. You right. know, and that, that's what I that's what I tell Jeff. I said, you know, brother, you know, film whatever you can, because that is valuable, because yep. you never know what gem you're going to find. That shelf life, yeah. man, it means something. It it's, it definitely means something. Mm-hmm. All right, well, champ, we are uh, we're over the time. Well, that went quick. Yes, sir. Oh, wow. So, um, if uh, people or promoters or fans or whatnot want to contact you, how would they go about doing that? Well, hell, I should just have them contact you. You can find me, right? <laughs> there you go. Actually, <laughs> if, if if you would like to book Adam Pierce, you can contact me on my MySpace, MySpace.com/backslash Rubber Guard Radio. 
I will give you Mr. Pierce's email address, and you can go about it that way. And don't believe what you read on the Internet. Contrary to popular belief, I am not the shits. <laughs> That's right, you're not. <laughs> you need to go to WrestleWarehouse.com and check out every single show from SoCal Pro Wrestling this year, and that will change your mind about Adam's work. And that's a shoot. Well, I appreciate it, bro. Thank you for your time, brother. It's always a pleasure. You got it, man. Anytime. I always love coming on and talking wrestling with you. Thank you, sir. It was uh, my pleasure, and have a very safe, safe and profitable weekend. You got it, brother. God bless you. All right. Take care, Adam. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. That was former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Scrap Iron Adam Pierce. We went over the two-hour mark, so uh, we're recording but not streaming. Uh, you can get our show archives at rubberguardradio.com for the first 30-some-odd episodes, and for the second half of our archives would be blogtalkradio.com backslash rubberguardradio. You can get us on MySpace, myspace.com backslash rubberguardradio. And also check out my sponsors, fogcitywrestling.com and wrestlewarehouse.com. Check out the new shoot interviews that we filmed with the Ballard Brothers, which is exceptional stuff, and Michael Modest, which was just a, a blow-away interview. Um, also, SoCalProWrestling.com. Uh, support your local indies. NewWaveProWrestling.com. Both of those companies are based in San Diego. And also, NWAWrestling.com. Keep your eyes out. The NWA is coming back. I'll talk to you guys next week.